Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. That's right, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday, November 18th, episode 6, week 6 of this NHL 2021-22 campaign. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the THS board here on Long Island in New York. And as always, I'll be joined by my THS line mates, Mr. Joe Yarden up in the great city of Buffalo here in New York as well. And then we'll go out to the Midwest and we'll check in with Tab Bamford, see what's going on in Chicago. And then uh, we'll always head out west like we always do, last but not least, to Mr. Steve Palumbo out in the great state of California. Lots to talk about out there, too. The Ducks are playing pretty damn well. We'll check in on the Devils and the Abs as well, too. Lots of Sabres talk, as always, here today with Joe Yard in Buffalo. And those Chicago Blackhawks are doing pretty nicely on the Mr. Derrick King since the change is out there. We'll get into that as well. Um, as far as Costa's concerned, we'll get Costa back here uh, sooner than later. We're still waiting for Costa. He'll be back here soon as far as our friends and fans up in Montreal and the Great White North up in Canada. So here we go. Checking in, three games on the schedule last night on Wednesday. Avs beat up the Canucks 4-2. Hawks, just mentioned there before, watched a bit of the game last night on TNT, and they get the uh, the 4-2 win against the Kraken. Four in a row now for Coach Derek King and the Chicago Blackhawks. Good stuff for them on the ice. Capitals, 2-0 against the Kings. So the Caps keeping tight uh, up top there in the, not only the uh, Metro Division or the uh, Eastern Conference, but top of the league there. For Ovi and the guys. 12 games on the schedule tonight. Always a heavy night Thursdays in the NHL. Flames will be going at the Sabres here this evening. We're going to get into the Sabres here big time with Joe as we always do. We'll catch up with him and and see what's going on since last we spoke. Uh, my New York Rangers going to try and keep the winning alive as they go up into Toronto and play the Leafs. Good matchup there tonight for both teams. Both teams playing well. Pens and Habs, two teams that are struggling. Good news is, is Carey Price has uh, been seen back on the ice in Montreal, so uh, hopefully they can uh, dig off some positive vibes from Carey here, and uh, that game could probably go either way uh, as far as uh, where those two teams are right now uh, this point of the season. Devils also playing well. They get the overtime uh, point there against uh, the Rangers the other night. Their game with the um, Senators was postponed. The Senators obviously in some uh, bit of a trouble here. With the COVID hitting the team, they got some games postponed. They'll hopefully get back at it next week, and we wish uh, the best of health to uh, that organization. All those players get back on the ice um, with the rest of us here in the league. So Devils and Panthers tonight. Bolts and Flyers, uh, good game uh, on schedule tonight. It looks like uh, Ryan Ellis for the Flyers is going to be out four to six weeks. Ouch. That hurts the Flyers. They've been pretty pretty, pretty, pretty okay here. Um, 13th in the league there, uh, eight and four. Uh, winning record so far with the Flyers, so uh, we'll see how they adjust to Ellis being out of the lineup. Sharks and the Blues going at it tonight. Blues playing pretty well, obviously uh, pretty good in their uh, division there in the Central. Sharks playing pretty well out there in the West as far as being respectable. Uh, big game on tap tonight as far as the Stars and the Wild. Uh, Ryan Suter will play the Wild for the first time since he's left Minnesota and joined the Stars. Uh, so that's a good game on top tonight. Probably um, 
maybe the game to watch. But I don't know. That's going to be up against the Jets and the Oilers. Uh, the Jets have been playing really well. I think they've won three or four in a row themselves. And the Oilers, you just got to tune in and, and check out McDavid and Dreisaitl. So that show and the rest of that team. So uh, good test for the Jets as they go into Edmonton tonight. And rounding out the uh, the 12 games on the ducket is uh, Columbus, which is a fun team to watch these days, playing pretty good. And I don't know, do you call it a layup against the Oats tonight in Arizona? Probably do. Um, Coyotes just having a real hard time there in Arizona. Try and turn things around here a little bit. They could start with a win against a pretty good, tough, young team from Columbus. Uh, just jotting around some little league news here, too. As far as locally here on Long Island, the Islanders are, are coming off uh, their you know, big, long road trip to start the season, waiting for the uh, USB, um, the UBS arena. Is it USB or UBS? No, USB is the thing you put your computer in. UBS is the arena that the Islanders will be playing in. Uh, the home opener, long-awaited home opener this Saturday night against the Calgary Flames. They crawl back home and lost four in a row. Um, Ryan Pulock out four to six weeks. So the Islanders are definitely seeing uh, a bit of um, – Bit of trouble here to start the season. Uh, you know, down there towards the bottom of the league right now in a tough Metro division. Uh, could be a just a big breath of fresh air for them to get back in front of their fan base, which no doubt they miss. Uh, their fan base here over the last couple of years has just been amazing with their runs, uh, you know, back to the, uh, I guess you call them the conscious finals, whatever way you want to look the last two years. Anyway, losing to the ultimate uh, Stanley Cup champion winners, Tampa Bay Lightning, twice in a row. The building's gorgeous. Seeing the pictures, it's just going to be an incredible place, not only to uh, host Island hockey games, but for music here, too. Uh, just a great new addition to uh, Long Island as far as a building, state-of-the-art, but it looks gorgeous. The fans are ready. going to be sold out. This is the first of four coming up. I believe they have uh, Toronto, which they hate. Uh, the Rangers are coming into town next week, and then a game against Pittsburgh, obviously big rivals, too, as far as the playoffs and stuff. So a good four games for them to uh, get back at it and hopefully get back to winning ways for Trotz and, and Lou Lamb. And, and again, congratulations to the Islanders organization. You know, born and raised out here on Long Island. I'm a big Rangers fan, but, uh, you know, respect the organization, respect the dynasty. This is a long time coming for their fans and the fan base. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I do a lot of traveling out of state here, um, playing up in the Northeast, uh, being a musician here with my uh, my bands. And I, and I pass it on the Cross Island Parkway, coming in and out of uh, New York, and it's absolutely gorgeous building and I can't wait to get in there and not only to see uh, an Islanders game but to also see a concert they got some great concerts coming up there so we're pretty lucky out here on Long Island so that should be um, uh, good stuff and, and a good change for the Islanders as they get back in front of their fans uh, this weekend uh, a couple of games I also forgot about tonight too sorry I had them on the other side here is uh, uh, let's see uh, the Canes will be at the Ducks here tonight and the Ducks are hot man and we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, the Ducks in depth here tonight with uh, Stevie uh, they're playing the Canes. It should be a great test. They've won eight in a row, seven, eight in a row there tonight. So um, they're home. The young kids are playing great. Uh, so that's a good matchup for them this evening. I'm sorry I forgot about that before. And uh, the Wings are also playing the Knights. And the Wings have been playing respectable in Vegas, obviously with the big news the last couple of weeks with Aqua coming out there and their injuries and everything else, uh, trying to stay in the mix in that very tough um, uh, division that they're in with the rest of those uh Super teams there, um, you know, so they've got to just hang out there as far as the uh, Pacific Division is concerned, especially with the An Anaheim just surprisingly playing so well. You know Edmonton's doing so good in Calgary, too, um, playing very well in the coach uh, Sutter. Uh, postponed tonight, like I said before, is uh, the Sens there on this COVID uh, um, postponement here until basically half of the team is sick. Um, they were supposed to play the Preds tonight. 
Again, postponed. They're hoping they will get back on the ice sometime next week. All right, real quick, let's just look at the li- of the leaders here. And then every week, it's pretty much, you know, Dreisaitl is still up there. He's leading the league in points at 33. Um, he's got 17 goals. He's leading the league in goals there. Uh, Connor McDavid is leading the league in assists with 19. Dreisaitl, power play goals, uh, leading everybody with nine. As far as the Nets with wins, you got uh, Gibson with the Ducks, uh, Campbell with the Leafs, Anderson with the Canes, and Koskinen with the Oilers. All have nine wins each here out of the gate. We're about 13, 14, 15 games into the season. Uh, Jacob Markstrom still holding down the uh, shutout lead, lead in Calgary with four shutouts. And the best faceoff guy in the league right now currently is Claude Giroux in Philadelphia. And just a quick look at the top here, the, at the league here, 16 teams. I'll just run them down in order. If uh, the playoffs were to start today, Florida uh, tops in the league uh, with Washington, both at 25 points. Carolina right behind them at 24 in third. Rangers in fourth place with 23. Leafs there, 23 points as well in fifth. The Ducks there, 23 points in sixth. Uh, Edmonton with 22 points in seventh. Winnipeg in eighth there with 21. Calgary, 21 points in ninth. Minnesota Wild with 20 points in fifth, uh, 10th place. I'm sorry. Uh, 11th place. The Bolts, 19 points. Nashville uh, right there in 12th with 19 points. Philadelphia with 18 points in 13th. St. Louis, 18 points in 14th place. 15th place. You got the Knights with 18 points. The Kings, and the Red Wings, both 18 points each uh, at 17, uh, 16 and 17 there. And the Devils and San Jose and Boston, it goes on from there. And like I said, surprisingly, they're unfortunately down at the bottom there uh, with five wins, uh, the New York Islanders. And I only bring that up because, you know, they weren't projected to do really well. But again, starting on the road, all that stuff, injuries, um, a lot of pressure on them. But they got a chance now to open up their new building and get some new juice and get the fans back behind them. And, and get started. And you know it trots there in Lamarillo and, and uh, you know, the quality of the players on that team. I think they'll be all right going forward. So um, uh, that's that's just everything that's going on here, too. You know, again, we're going to get into a tab here as far as Chicago playing really well under Derek King. Um, you know, the Sabres themselves, I think what I'm going to talk with Joe today is just about them being respectable as far as where they sit uh, in the stands. And, you know, Sabres and Hawks uh, pretty much always talking about those guys each week because, you know, it's for Joe and – and Tabar, respectively, and then out west, I can't wait to talk about the Ducks here with uh, Steve. We'll touch on the Avs a little bit. Last week, we talked about um, them with some statement games coming up last week, and they, they've kind of turned it around there with three in a row as well, too, and obviously uh, Devils and, and Rangers, and maybe we'll talk a little P.K. Subban as far as the slew footing and you know Sammy Blast getting knocked out here uh, for the Rangers uh, as well. And I'm going to ask all the guys their, their take here on the Islanders and, and where they're at and how they can kind of maybe – turn the ship around, uh, you know, going forward um, with everything that they're going through as well. Like I said, being highly touted to do very well this season. All right, folks. So with that said, uh, we want to thank you guys as always every week for tuning in here and listening. Uh, We see the audience. Thank you guys so much for subscribing and downloading the episodes and hanging out with us here at THS. As far as next week's concerned, we'll see what happens. We might bump the show up uh, next week because Thanksgiving here in the States is on Thursday. So we're definitely not broadcasting next Thursday. We'll let everybody know. Um, you know, what's going on with that. Uh, so look out on Twitter and uh, some social media posts, and we'll go from there. Well, that's enough of me. It's time to head up to the great city of Buffalo and bring on my THS lineman right here in the face-off as always, Mr. Joe Yarden. Joey, what's happening, brother? Paulie, it's, uh, it's a... It's beautiful in Buffalo. 
because Dustin Tokarski's now the goalie of the future of the Buffalo <laughs> Sabres. It's it's not the it's not the elf from Arendelle. No, <laughs> no, it is it is definitely not. It is definitely not the elf from Arendelle. No, no, uh, no. Listen, well, we can get right into it here with yeah. the Sabres because two one the last three, baby. You know, it's it's nice. It's nice, but like. I don't know if you watched any of that, that game against Pittsburgh the other night, but uh, they were extremely fortunate Dustin Tokarski was on his game because the way the Pens played the la- the third period, the Pens played a terrible first two periods, and the Pens are in a bad way right they now. They certainly like, are. Like, yeah, COVID, like COVID's all They've over the team. They've got a little bit of Pittsburgh pirate-itis. Oh, no, nobody's that. They're not that bad. <laughs> they're not that bad off. I don't think their building is like one quarter full and <laughs> – People actively hate the Penguins in town yet. Bad. Wow. They but I mean, know, they even know about that up in Buffalo too about Pittsburgh. Oh well, look, hey, Woo. Pittsburgh ain't that far away, man. It's you know, <laughs> nice little three-hour trip down down through Western PA, which feels like it takes eight hours to go down there. But, um, but yeah, the uh, the I mean, the Pens got issues, so I keep that in mind. But that third period they played against Buffalo, I don't know how they didn't score five goals and end up winning that game. By a lot because the Sabres were out of gas. They were holding on for dear life. And Tokarski was just pulling horseshoes out all over the place, stopping everything. And now I I, want to attribute that to him playing against team that he was with before kind of luck, you know, where it's, you know, maybe one of those money on the board situations where he's like, Hey, whoever gets us the win gets the money. And then he's like, well, I got the win. I'll keep the money. <laughs> you know, or, it's one or of those I things. need this job because nobody else is going to take me. <laughs> right. Right. So, I see that happening, and like, I'm just kind of like, wow, that's. I mean, that's a gutsy win. I mean, it's it's a gutsy win, like two to one. That's you know, you hanging out for dear life for the last ten, fifteen minutes of the third period, where you basically played the entire entire period in your own end, and Tukarski making these crazy saves. I mean, you got to go back a, a little bit of ways to think about. Last time I saw Tukarski looking this good, it was back when he was playing for Spokane in the dub. So like, this is. This is like throwbacks to to his junior days kind of kind of action, but you know what? It's it's a good example of how of how the the Sabers are able to make this work with what they got and with what Don Granado's doing with them. I, I I feel like every week I'm talking about Don Granado and how he's doing some really cool stuff with the Sabers, but like, listen, you look at the Sabers lineup. You're not going like, hey, this this could be a playoff team. You're not saying that at all. You're saying like, this is going to be a top five team for the lottery. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, the record right now is not that. You know, they're right, in the, you know, right smack in the middle of the Atlantic Division. Who points not, out of a wild card spot? You know, it's, it's you the know, winning record is seven, six, and two, baby. I mean, they got the same number of points as Boston right now, so like that's that's pretty crazy. But like, you know, it's you know, I mean, but then again, Detroit's ahead of them too. So like, let's, <laughs> I'm not getting too excited now. Detroit's fun. Detroit's a lot of fun to look, to watch. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch any Red Wings games. I don't know if you have any Hell any yeah, desire man. to watch any Red Wings games, but um, but they're fun. Like their kids are playing fun. Morris Sider looks incredible. Lucas Raymond looks fantastic. So you know Stevie Eiserman, the magician again. But um, but I mean like days. Buffalo, yeah. Like right, seriously, like it's you know it, it's the feeling that Red, Red Wings Red Wings fans all while Eiserman was in Tampa and building that team and putting them together to be a monster. 
And Red Wings fans are saying, like, why doesn't Stevie come back and do that here? Please, please come back, Stevie. <laughs> and Stevie comes back, and, like, the, the Red Wings have been terrible the last two years. And they're like, Stevie, what are you doing, man? Like, well, what are we, what's going on here? And now, <laughs> now suddenly they're winning games. And, like, it's not been without drama. I mean, it ain't without drama there. But, like, it's pretty wild to see them having success. Same thing for Buffalo, though. Like, it, it's it's very – it's fascinating to see them playing as well as they are because, again, you look at a team on paper, you're just like, this team stinks. Like it's just up and down, and you're thinking like, well, Darlene's got to be their best player. Darlene might be their worst defenseman right now, and that's that's rough. Like that, that's he's got the, people. More... He's their worst defenseman scoring goals, right? Like, I mean, he's. I mean, like they, the Sabers get like. Listen, the, the Sabers, they've got worries. Like they have very obvious worries with this team, and I think you know Darlene's the biggest one. The other is that their goaltending. You know, Anderson's hurt. Um, you know, Tukarski's in there and it's like, you know, a lot of people didn't think Tukarski was even going to, you know, make the team out of camp. So, um, the fact that he's, he's now their, their starter while Anderson's banged up, you know, it's kind of like, oh boy, well here it begins now. Nope. Nope. But like this team sticks up for each other, you know, well, it, it plays a team. I can't say they, I don't want to say sticks up for each other because it sounds like, you know, you know, they're, they're fighting, they're doing all this stuff. Like it's not like that. They play more as a co- better as a cohesive unit than than in the past, and you know that's leading a lot of people here to start saying like, "Well, now that Eichel's gone, they're 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 better off." And it's like, <laughs> no, they're not better off. Like, just give it a give it but a. But they're you know breathe. they're what's the term, Joe? They're um, doing nice things, you know. Yeah, they, they're um. There's a word I'm looking for. They're they're respectable. That's the word. Right. They're right. respectable like, at this time. I mean, if you look behind them as far as the conference is concerned, they don't have the problems the Ottawa Senators are having with COVID no. post-band games. They're oh not having the problem the Montreal Canadiens are having who went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year, obviously with a couple of key guys being out, and they're just you know having a tough time there in Montreal, stringing together a lot of wins in a row. They're obviously not having the problems the New York Islanders are having. The conference mm-hmm. uh, you know, finalists last year, whatever you want to call it, division finalists there. Um, and obviously with a team with they don't have the problems the Pittsburgh Penguins are having too with uh, all the stars on that team. Yep. And, you know, they're right there. Like I said, Columbus has been very fun to watch this year as well too. And Boy, the that... Sabres are, uh, you know, they're making their own storylines for themselves. So you take this. Where are we at, Joe? We're uh, 13 games in. You take it. Yeah. Yeah, it's – it feels like it's been forever. Like, I mean, it's only been the season's been only only been going on like a month now, but it feels like this has already been a long season. Which I mean, geez, I mean, they're not they're nowhere near the Arizona Coyotes or the Seattle Kraken oh or the Vancouver Canucks. So we got yeah, good well, things going on in Buffalo. Listen, I mean, I don't know. I, I Arizona just won the other night, so like you know, good for them. I believe like, there's a parade. <laughs> there should be honestly every every win should have a parade for them my god but um but i mean geez i you know i this this to me is like classic early season nhl where you oh, get yeah. these kinds of things happening and you're like wow this could be a sign of things to come the things will change this will be different and then you know come about january january february you're like oh right the uh the cream is starting to separate itself now so we know what we know how the how this is gonna go. We know how things are gonna are gonna break down. Do I expect Buffalo to be hanging in there all season? Eh, they might. I don't think they're gonna be playoff close, but like they're gonna play tough. Like they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a true pain in the ass team. 
Like, cause they're, they're, they're going to be full effort all the time. And, you know, once they get some of these guys back, they get, you know, Olsen gets back in middle stack comes back. Yoki Haru comes back. Like those are good things. You know, who knows how long Anderson's going to be out. They keep saying, you know, very cryptic things about like what he's out with and how long it's going to take him. They don't him, need so, him anymore. Right. Got this. It's now a plug and play system with goalies. Like find a goalie. Yeah. Put him in there. It's fine. But like, <laughs> it's. You know, I mean, yeah, all these happy stories right now, we see it, and it's kind of like, wow, this is really cool. And then by about January, you're going to see teams kick it into overdrive. Teams that should be up higher anyways. Um, you know, I are the Islanders going to be last in the in the Metro all done. season? They're done. No. All they're getting this year is a new <laughs> building. It's over. <laughs> Let's have every team have a 13-game road trip at some point and see how that, nah, see yeah, how that works Rangers out The Rangers went through them. that years ago, too, and I think they went to the Stanley <laughs> Cup final. That'd be fun. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, uh, yeah, but like, so I look at some of these other teams, like, is Pittsburgh going to be down all year? I've been saying Pittsburgh's going to come down for a while. Joe, when it comes I've been to saying this for two years. We're like, all waiting for the Penguins to finally just. Dissipate. Right. Well, <laughs> we've been saying the same thing about the Bruins, too. It's like, aren't these guys exactly. getting old yet? Like, yeah, right. geez. Well, then they cut Chara out, and suddenly they're not as old anymore. <laughs> but then, you know, you start thinking, like, oh, is Patrice, you know, is Patrice Bergeron playing his final season in the NHL? I don't know. Maybe. I so. uh, the way he's playing, I don't think so. I mean, good luck getting that contract figured out. Mm-hmm. If you're Boston, like, you know, how many, you know, how, you know, how much money you got to give your captain, your top guy for, like, the last, what, 17 years? Felino's over there now, too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, he's good. Nick Felino's nice, but, like, Hey, Patrice, nobody's know, nobody's but, he, Patrice. but a guy like Felino's. I, I mean, I haven't looked, uh, you know, um, directly at the you know the Bruins in and out of their schedule here, but I imagine a guy like that, Felino. I mean, it didn't help out too much, maybe it helped Toronto out maybe a little bit towards the end of their regular season set, but obviously didn't help out in the playoffs. But a guy like Felino well, yeah. and his makeup compared to guys like uh, Bergeron and um, and the um, oh my god, Marshan, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That mix. I mean, sometimes you just got to get the right guy in there to, to, to kind of, you know, be that extra certain type of link. It doesn't work. And we've seen this, Joe, on, on other yeah. teams. Well, like in Felino's case, he's got to stay healthy. Like that was that was the problem with Toronto last year is that he was he, as soon as they got him, he was hardly in the lineup because he just was keep him out of lineup up. against the Devils. There's a good chance. Well, even this year, like he's only played five games this year for Boston, like. Okay, he's missed eight games. That's, that's not great. He's thirty four. Nick Foligno, he ain't a young kid, man. Like he's he's thirty. I say that as a forty two year old. He's thirty four. It's me and you joke all the time, Joe. Send him down yes. to Tampa. Hang out with Kucherov until <laughs> <laughs> May. <laughs> what I mean, I don't know, man. Like I'm looking over this. I'm looking over Boston's roster, and their two top scorers is Marshan and Bergeron, and then Pasternak is their top line, obviously. Yeah. But like. Mm-hmm. Marshan's 33, Bergeron's 36, and then Pasternak's 25. You know, McAvoy's 24. It's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. Like, Taylor Hall's somehow 30 years old, which makes me feel way too old. I cannot even wrap my head around Taylor Hall being 30 years old, but because um, well, it feels, it feels like else. he started yesterday. Yeah, Jeez. well, I think you're onto something here because if you look, this is pretty much the same lineup that ran out of gas last year. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know if this particular lineup is going to be able to run through, you know, two, three, well, four rounds. I don't know. It depends on how this, how things break. Like, how many of those guys? 
go to the Olympics? Do they, I mean, first of all, are they even going to go to the Olympics? Like that still that still has to be uh, figured Joe out. Joe and Ching Chi saw Come on, the president man. the other day. They had a brunch. It's all good. I don't know. Well, COVID's still hanging around, man. Like they can. Oh, you're talking about COVID. NHL... I thought about us all going to war. You know. Oh no 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 no. I mean, no, the no. Russians are looking to do some stuff. No no uh, so... no. COVID, no. Is, COVID is secondary to conventional warfare, Joe, right now. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I get if we want to go down a really dark, a left turn. dark road for <laughs> podcast, we, we can dig into that. But but I mean, like, but I mean, I, but like, I, I keep thinking about how, like, at, you know, what, February, you're talking a two week break, two, two and a half week break for for the Olympics. And even if they don't go to the Olympics, it's still going to be a two and a half week break for these guys to rest up and get ready. Like that's to do that right before your stretch run at the end of the season and going into the postseason. That's, it's helpful. It's yeah. really helpful. Um, that, that'll be a huge boost to those guys. Now, you know, guys like, Ber, you know, Bergeron and Marchand and them are, and Pasternak, they're, they're going to be part yeah. of their Olympic yeah, teams. Yeah. So like they won't get a break. Like, they, you know, the schedule won't be as difficult. But like they're still going to China. It's a lot. They still of travel. have. They still yeah. got to play. They still got to do all that. You they know, might as well be getting on shuttles and landing in a different planet. Right. Well, you know, hey, Moon Olympics. Let's let's put it in. Let's let's get that happening. I don't know. I mean, make you that, might not be make around that by the time that happens, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, that, that, but I get, I get again that that's how this that's how like the, the season the NHL season so funny because you get you get these hot starts like this from teams you don't, don't suspect are going to have seasons like that. And you got to wonder. that's when you start wondering about the psychological makeup of how many, how many of these teams that stick in their head and how many of them do, they just go, Nope, next game, let's move on. And they just forget about it and they move on. Like obviously teams like, like, you know, the Islanders, I don't sweat that about because Barry Trotz does not sweat that stuff. You know, he, you know, he's, he's as cool as they get. And he's, you know, and he's a guy who sticks to the sticks to business like that. That doesn't that doesn't worry me. Montreal is a drama bomb every year, no matter what they're doing. And, you know, I, they've had enough drama this season to last a lifetime. Now, I to me, Montreal is not for real until Carey Price is ready to play. You know, whenever he decides he's he's good to go, then that's good. But like, you know, they're without Weber. They're without Price. That's really tough. Like that's we knew that though, but we knew they were going to be out without Weber probably all season, maybe first career, who knows? And then price, you know, price is stuff. Like we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But they're in a bad place. Like Montreal was kind of winging it on a prayer last year. They they were in that JV Canadian division last season, and they, you know, it was with which which was filled with teams that are accustomed to just falling apart in the postseason. And then, sure enough, Montreal, who's always good for hulking up in the postseason, every now and again, they hulked up and Carey Price goalied a few teams, and suddenly they're in the Cup final. So, yep. you know, uh, but like Montreal, like they're smoking mirrors. Like they could be down all year. Yeah, you know, I I know they just called Cole Cole Caulfield back up, but I don't believe this team's in any kind of position to better serve him, or if he's in a place where he can better help them out. I mean, he had like what? He had what? Six points, six points in eight games, or something like that. And he was a minus six. Like, okay, like is he getting all his points in the power play, or is he that? Or was you know things of all that bad defensively? Like, I don't know. To me, I, I, I we'll see. But like, 
I don't know. Like, there's there, this is a good time to play. Do you believe it or you or you don't believe it with some of these teams? Like Florida, I believe it. I believe they're that good. Toronto, yeah, I believe it. Uh, Washington, yeah. Carolina, yeah. Tampa, yeah. Uh, Detroit, no. Boston, they'll get better. Buffalo, are they that? Are they that average good? Eh, probably not. Yeah, but probably, Buffalo, under that, but Buffalo, Columbus, New Jersey, and Detroit are probably like you said. They'll be good enough and respectable enough that it's going to mm-hmm. make it harder for Montreal and Ottawa. And I know everybody's got the faith in in Trots and the Islanders, but. If they, you know what, shit, we could sit here and, because I always say, you know, Barubi and the St. Louis Blues, then just blow all that. If they're not around yeah. in December time, you know, and then, well, look what the Blues did, you know. They were last of the league in January that year, which but, is nuts. But, you know, back to this, you know, it's it's different, man. Maybe just the full season. Hey, look, we're all sitting here and watching. But I think, um, you know, as you as you, we're all watching the games here each week. And I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, there's still, to me, even as a fan watching the game, it's still a getting used to the normalcy again, you know? Obviously, you get a, you, mm-hmm. you see what's happening in Ottawa, and they got to postpone some games, and, and, you know, certain teams have lost certain players. But the routine of uh, regular games per night, um, uh, more storylines than we had, you know, because we're, we're dealing with um, getting to see everybody. As opposed to last mm-hmm. year when we were doing the division, you were so focused in the monotony of the same teams and um, you know just everything from being able to see the coaches' faces behind the benches, at least down here in the states, um, just interviews, all the coverage, TNT, ESPN. So it's almost like there's a lot coming at us, mm-hmm. and here we are, 13 games in, and maybe some of us are more focused in the fact, like I will joke around, oh, I don't know, I think the Islanders are done. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to climb their way back into it. Um, yeah, are the Rangers good? Yeah, but, you know, they're probably a Chesterkin injury from probably tanking six or seven games themselves because they're depending yeah. so heavily on him right now. And Georgiev mm-hmm. is definitely showing that he's – because he's not getting the consistency. I think he's a good goaltender, but I don't know, um, you know, if he's going to be that guy that's going to be able to step in with the current makeup. Um, you know, there's still so many injuries that have happened and so many still to come. So, I mean, us as seasoned veterans of watching the NHL – it's like, all right, well, let's let's start talking to each other after the Winter Classic, you know, in February. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, it's, and then you bring like, up the Olympics, and, and that's going to be like a, ah, stop. Yeah. we got to wait. Big old, big old timeout in the middle of February, mid-late February, you know? Yeah. Like that's, which I mean, you know what? Honestly, I I love the Olympics, but I also don't like the Olympics, but I think it's great for in this case because February, January, February is around the time where people start getting a little bit you know, they get a little bit tired from all the ready NHL the games. Beach, they're like, buddy. geez, like, get come on, man. Like, how many games are we into the season? It's like, it's like, oh, man, we're like 35 games in the year. Like, uh, you know, it, it's the classic, like, oh, we got a January 10th game against the Panthers. Like, who cares about that game? Nobody cares <laughs> about, you know, like whoever you're playing there. Just like, let's just get to let's get to late in the season. Like, you just want to hit the fast forward button and go. Whereas this season, it's going to be like you, you, we're going to hit that January January point in the, in the Winter Classic. Where we're going to be like, all right, second half of the season, here we go. And then it's going to be like two weeks later, you're going to be like, oh, geez, like man, okay, it's a it's a wild Coyotes game night. You know, <laughs> in the beginning of, beginning of January, you're going to be like, 
what are we even doing here, man? Like, forget this. Can we just step on it already? And then the Olympics happen, and then you're like, oh, crap. You know, you go on overload, sensory overload with the Olympics because the Olympics are amazing, and the games are always incredible, and you're just blown away by that. And then it's just kind of it gets you gets you that second win. Every the, the thing about the Olympics is that people always say like, oh, this is going to give the NHL a boost to have you know having their players over there. Like, no, 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 no. This gives the NHL fans a, a chance to get their batteries recharged immediately in the, in a part of the season where they normally be like looking at their watch, going, come on. Already, like let's let's get to the play. The first round of the playoffs is the most fun, the most fun time of the season. Like, can we just get to it already, please? Yeah. <laughs> and now this year it's not happening until the end of April because the schedule got extended because of the Olympics and all that stuff. So I don't know, I don't know, man. Like, but like, it's just I don't know. It's wild. It, it just it, this season feels like it's so much. There's so much more going on, and I want to say that's in part due to the amount of coverage they're getting now from from ESPN, from TNT and all that. Like it's on TV and it's on streaming constantly and it's very easily accessible. So you're just kind of like, wow, it's a lot of hockey. I can watch. Like you can sit down at seven o'clock at night and watch. And you know, if it's a game, if it's a night with like 10 games, throw on your ESPN plus man, you're able to watch every single one. You get a piece of everything. Yeah, It's crazy. I mean, trying to do that before at NHL TV, good luck. Like, you know, you get nine games blacked out. Like, you're, you know, there's a game on NHL network that nobody can watch because, you know, nobody's got cable and they don't stream it. So you're just like, what the frig is going on here? Like, I just want to watch a game. And then you're just like freaking out because you can't watch a game. And now it's just like, it's like you're pulling up at the buffet to eat every night. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, You know, I got to credit the NHL too. The NHL app is, is phenomenal. I mean, you can get the, you know, if you don't get to watch a game, you can just dive in there and see all the highlights and stuff. You know, you have like mm-hmm. a like a mini NFL red zone on your NHL app, and you can just go in for the like the two minute summary and see all the goals and break everything down. I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. especially for guys like me who run a couple of podcasts and I don't get to watch all of the games, so right. I can kind of dive in and, and get some news here and stuff and get an, uh, a look at certain things, which is which is great too. Hey, look, um, we we can't complain as NHL fans. This is what we wanted. Uh, we've got the NHL. Oh yeah, back. no, there's there are zero complaints here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's still imperfect as far as the officiating and the player safety and some of the BS that's going on and and obviously we've started out the gate already with some con- you know controversy and what's happened in Chicago. It's it's it has been a um, an interesting start. Uh, you know, talking about teams like the Sabers here and seeing where they're at and you know the whole Eichel situation and. And a couple of mm-hmm. the big names in the game who are who are playing, who are not playing, and 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 just management teams, and you know who's, you know, uh, Colladin being the first coach fired. You look what's going on in Chicago, the turnaround over there. Yeah. You know that's uh, you know obviously out of a horrible situation for the for the product on the ice, winning. They couldn't ask for anything more right now to, you know, get the fans at least talking about hockey and 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 seeing the you know them play well and you get back to the the coverage i mean it was great even last night a guy like me and you on the east coast and uh, i think i love tnt's coverage i think it's better than espn as far as the game i mean there's there's something beautiful about just the one little box up in the left corner and the rest of the meat of the tv is hockey um Mm -hmm. and it's great so i'm enjoying that and obviously kenny albert you can't go along there and eddie o and all that other stuff so look i mean um it's good stuff. So I guess the whole thing is now, Joe, is just, you know, 13, 14 games and, and, and basically biding our time through the holidays, winter classic. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that we may see a a full stadium full of fans 
for a Winter Classic and a couple of stadium games, mm-hmm. it's kind of surreal when you think here we are a year and a half, almost two years later after all the shutdowns. It's it's pretty wild. And honestly, like, I I don't I the last thing I ever want to do is start doing COVID talk again because doing that all last year was just depressing. Yep. But like you know the stuff's getting bad here in Western New York again, and like like I guess thankfully nobody's going to Sabres games, so you don't really have to worry yeah. about it. Oh, but man. like, but I mean it's um, but it's but yeah it's it's wild seeing some of these some of these games with full houses and fans going nuts. I know attendance is a little bit down, you know, around some of these teams in the league, especially in Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's still pulling 70,000 a game. I mean, that's, it's not good, but like a lot of inflation uh, going on too, Joe. Well, expensive expensive to walk out of your house these days. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. I got to go drive later. And I don't know how much the gas is going to cost me now, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's nice to have these little these old comforts coming back, which is crazy to call them old comforts. But like, it's nice to see, and it's exciting to see. Like every every time I turn on a, a Kraken game, even though the Kraken are going to lose, if, it, if the game's in Seattle, crowd there is pumped up. They're they're going wild. They don't, you know, they're getting the true expansion team experience. Mm-hmm. The Kraken are like Vegas did not the true expansion experience. Vegas got the poop. Here's a here's a playoff team. Here's a Cup final team for you. Your first year. Like you don't have any wacky expansion goofball stuff going on instead in Seattle you got Brandon Tanner who's now like a cult hero in Seattle for for making wacky faces and and you know basically playing his ass off every game which I mean it's what he's it's what he's about that team is zero goaltending but like but they're but you know but they got a team so it's good you know that's that's the key part like I think any, anybody who expected them to have a Vegas type season was was fooling themselves but um but yeah, like that stuff's great to see. See, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of laughing in my head right now because we had this whole attack plan for what we were going to do today, and yes, now we're we just kind of going off the rails. We're going off the rails in a big way. <laughs> That's all right. Well, look to wrap up here on the Sabers. Um, look, they're 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 respectable. Um, not a bad place to be. Thirteen games into the season, considering all they've went through. Uh, just noticing the scoring spread around a little bit there with Corns and uh, Bjork the other night, uh, Dolan. Uh, Skinner getting two uh, as well. Um, and then, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, uh, Tukarski is, is stepping in here while uh, Anderson's out and our buddy from uh, Lord of the Rings, Aaron Dell, uh, as well. And they're just riding it. And, you know, Granado's cutting his teeth. You know, it's fine. The fans will come back and all that other stuff. It could be a lot worse in Buffalo. Again, just ask Ottawa and Arizona uh, for an example. Um, with that said, before we skip, because I want to get your talk, take on the Islands and Rangers here as well, too, and the Metro mm-hmm. and the Atlantic, too. But uh, your latest noted hockey uh, column is on Cody Eakins and yeah. about the respect or lack of he's he's getting or not getting. So yeah. for all you out there who haven't checked it out, I thought, Joe, maybe you might kind of take everybody in a little bit in terms of what the synopsis is of of the latest column. So, like, every team's got a guy that they like to beat on, right? Like, every team's got a guy that the fan base is just like, man, this guy, I can't stand this guy and Eakin was that guy last year for Buffalo now granted Buffalo had about 900,000 different problems (laughs) last season and they had a lot of guys not perform well they had a lot of guys just stinking up the house and Eakin who was who was a free agent signing who people do from playing in Vegas from playing with the Caps from playing with the Stars and you know he scored 20 goals with Vegas the one season he had you know had 12 like 12 or 14 the next season the year that went to or uh, 
Uh, he had 14 goals his first season in Vegas when they went to the cup final. So, like, he had that kind of pedigree where it's like, well, there's a guy lower in the lineup that can score a little bit. Like, let's see what he can do. And Buffalo was the worst team in the league last year, and he was the worst player on the worst team in the league. And fans just went in on him hard. Like, they just, you know, ripping on him for this, that, and everything. So I had one of my re- one of my subscribers email me. They're like, hey, nobody writes about this guy. Nobody even talks about this guy. Can you write about him? Like, what, you know, what's his deal? What's going on? So I figured, what the heck? I'll dive in on the numbers and see see what's happening here. And boy, when I dug in on his numbers last season, I didn't realize how bad it was last season. It was he was awful last year. I mean, you could see it with your eyes. Like you could watch a guy and just be like, "Boy, he stinks." And that was the case with him. But like when you see the numbers, kind of spell it out. Ooh-wee, it's bad, man. Like that was a bad year. But this year, completely different story. And. You know, he's been with uh, Gergensen's and Opozo for most of the year. He's the center on that line. He wins his faceoffs, you know, which, hey, it's what you want your sons to do. He can win draws. Uh, but that line is great. That is a great line for them this year because they forecheck everybody to death. Eakin's kind of like a water bug out there. I mean, he's smaller than, than Gergensen's and Opozo, but like he just kind of buzzes around. He gets, he gets kind of in your face, gets, you know, gets right up on top of guys. And then suddenly now they're getting the shot share. They're getting, they're getting, goals now from Opozo. They're getting goals from, from Gergensen's, you know, and they're still playing that same way. They're able to hold possession. They're able to do all these things. And his numbers are dramatically better this year. And I guess the point of me writing this was to be like, hey, listen, you know, everybody can have a bad year, but it takes you have to be a spe- you got to be a good player to be able to bounce back from it and, and improve that much more. Now, if he got some more goals, that would be cool. But that line's not asked to score goals. They're asked to they're asked to put the pressure on other teams and and try to force faceoffs in their end and keep possession of the puck. Like job accomplished right there. They're doing good. So good on Cody Eakin for doing that. Also good on my my pal uh, Joanna for doing the art on that piece because if you haven't seen it, please Beautiful. check it out at notedhockey.substack.com because she did a, an incredible ode to Cody Eakin and his wonderful ginger mullet because it's <laughs> it's fantastic. It is, man. It's great stuff. Um, yeah, I love it. And, you know, I mean, I think that's what's great about the column, too. And, and um, you know, I'm sure you love that as a writer, getting feedback from, you know, the fan base and to kind of make you look oh, yeah. at something that – you wouldn't may, maybe necessarily look at, and then you find this and go, "Wow, yeah, all right, let's 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 get on this and then compare it to how it's going today." And um, you know, you get you get a little positive out it in terms of you know Cody finding a, a new way. I mean, I think the, down the road more stories will be written by you and many other people. The further we the team franchise gets away from uh, Jack Eichel and mm-hmm. more under the belt of Granado here. And Adams as well, too, in terms of running the front office now with that huge albatross gone. And they can just concentrate yeah. on the positives and then slowly getting the confidence of the fan base back. And hopefully, again, another redo here in Buffalo eventually turns into something promising, which I think is possible here, too. Uh, you know, when you look at the other top teams in the division who are going to be turning over, we talk about Boston, we talk about how much uh, shelf life do the Leafs have before they, they lose their minds if they keep getting knocked out of playoff rounds. Uh, you know, Montreal's in a tough spot. Detroit's kind of where, you know, Buffalo is in terms of learning. Um, you know, the, the Panthers obviously playing well. Um, and so I, I just look at it like this. If, if, if they can keep the positives going on the Granado and work from the net out, 
And a couple of these guys they got in the uh, the trade and everything else in the next year or two. And, and Rochester is going to keep putting out some good prospects. And I don't know. I think Buffalo might be a good place to play and be a part of here. And, and you know, a guy like Cody Eakins do the good and the bad. And hopefully these guys will be part of the good now again uh, in the next year or two. Yeah. yeah and uh, that's, that's the whole part of, like, this whole redo in Buffalo is just kind of change it, you know, re- hitting the reset button for real this time and doing it a different way and trying to, trying to do things better. I mean, doing things better was always, was always the plan, but doing it a different way, I think was, was necessary uh, from the standpoint because doing it, doing it every other way they've done it has not worked. So <laughs> doing it differently was, was certainly called upon, but, um, but yeah, the, it's, it's, the feelings are good. The the fan faith is not there yet, which it doesn't, which it shouldn't be. Yep, it does not. The team has not earned that yet. They gotta they gotta have a full season of playing like this, uh, and have you know have no real letdown, no you know no super long losing streak or you know games where they just look absolutely listless for like a month. Like that's been that's been the problem here the last five six seven years where they've just had spans like that where it's just like that that's when everybody tunes out they're just like all right that's enough time to look at what's happening for the bills draft you know like <laughs> that's that's how it goes here with that but uh but yeah like it's it's like i've been telling people here ride the wave of good feelings just enjoy it for what it is right now because you don't know when the rugs are going to get pulled out from under them like craig anderson getting hurt was could have been one of those moments but right now they enjoy it just enjoy the ride <laughs> Half the league doesn't even know Craig Anderson's on the team. <laughs> Half the league thinks he retired. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, it's the last thing on the Sabres. I'll always harken back to what I asked you when Granado took over the bench. Mm-hmm. And if I, I asked you straight up, is, is this a good guy for the Sabres to try and hang on to uh, in the interim thing um, as far as holding that room down mm-hmm. with the talent and the kids and a guy that can handle the Eichel stuff, all the other stuff that's going on. You said emphatically yes, and I think so far he's he's proven you right. And I think, um, again, the fact that they're respectable, I think goes a long way with uh, Granato being behind the bench, and he might just be the right guy at the right time for this team. Yeah, and it's it's a credit to him because this is, getting a head job in the NHL is, is the peak mm-hmm. for coaches. And – He's been at it. He's been kicking at it for a while, you know, being an assistant in Chicago, do, you know, being other, being in other places, coaching in the AHL, um, getting this chance now, though, like this is a chance for him to finally, like, you know, really get his claws into everything and just go, OK, this is my team. Let me do it the way I want to do it. And for a guy that really stresses being a coach, and I mean that, you know, you know, being a guy that really loves doing practices, really loves, you know, you know, being there, you know, with the guys and really stressing on everything and, and just being like a straight up true hockey guy. He's it, man. He's, he's, you know, he's, his whole family's hockey for crying out loud. Like Tony and Cammie are, you know, brother and sister for him. Like that's, that's a full blown hot. That's us first hockey family right there. As far as I'm concerned. So Don getting this opportunity now, it shouldn't be too big of a surprise that he's kind of taken it and run with it a bit here. Uh, I just hope that the success continues for him because he's a good dude. On top of everything else, he's just a good dude, and you want to root for him. So that, for me, as a guy in media to say that, uh, means a lot because we don't try to root for anybody. <laughs> and certainly, when it comes to coaches, it can be a little bit of a weird relationship. But uh, but uh, but Don's always been really good. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. So look, we'll keep watching the show and we'll keep checking in here every week. And hey, we got good things to say about the Sabers. That's all right by us here at THS. Me and Joe. 
That's what we do hey, here. <laughs> sure beats sure beats haven't like every week being like, boy, you you see those losses again. Holy cow. Can about you believe Eichel. how bad they are? Holy yeah, crap. Like we don't need that. We had <laughs> no, enough of that. All. all right, Joe, before I let you go here, um, as far as the other two New York teams, uh, the Islanders and the Rangers here. Rangers are uh, – the jury's still out for me. Um, look, they're good. They're in a good spot. You take it where it is. You're not going to complain about where you are in the standings. Sometimes, you know, how you get there as far as, you know, depending heavily on your goaltender. Um, they're dealing with a couple of injuries, obviously, here with Sammy Blast, Sammy Blast going down. Um, you know, Gallant is it's – a, it's a new team. A lot of the core of this team is getting used to a new system. Um, I think, I think the boys felt very good about having Reeves on the bench the other night. We'll see how that ends up going, you know, long-term. And, um, you know, they're still having the, the fans are kind of losing their shit with regards to Laffy and Capo, but you know, Cappy had a good night the other night and it's like anything else. It's just patience. There's not a lot of patience here in New York city. There's never mm-hmm. been. So, no. um, that's as far as the Rangers side and, and you give me a kind of an outlook, uh, there. And then the other thing is the Islanders, you know, 13 games in. Uh, only five wins, opening up the new building, which looks absolutely gorgeous here on Long Island. I drive by mm-hmm. it. It's just spectacular. Um, the pictures from the inside, it looks like it's going to be amazing. These guys have been on the road. Yes, trots, this team, the Islanders, don't worry, and everything else. But I got to tell you, if they don't start picking up another five, six, seven wins out of the next ten, I think you do have some issues in, in Long Island to be concerned about. Losing Pulak here. Um uh, decky has gone, I believe, now, too. Uh, oh, Letty, I should say. Sorry. Um, so, you know, just get your take here on the Rangers and the Islanders. The other locals here for you. Yeah, Rangers, Rangers are fascinating to me because, yeah, it is it is Shesterkin that's that's taking care of business. I mean, 930 save percentage. He's he's the man. Um, and you need him. You need him to stay healthy all year. Like, that's that's the biggest thing. But I if there's something that worries me about the team, it's that they look really top heavy. They look so top heavy as far as where the scoring's coming from. I mean, you know, you get, at least you, I mean, Adam Fox kind of directed everybody from the from the blue line, which is great. Uh, but then you got you know Panarin and Strom on one line. You got Kreider and Zabinajad on another line. Rotate whoever your third is on on those lines. Who cares? It doesn't matter who plays in those. Who's the third guy in those lines? Because at least those pairs are going. Um, but where the scoring's coming from from everybody else, I don't know about that. Like. People are like, I get why Rangers fans are stressing out about Lafreniere and Kako and, and even Heedle to that point. I get stressing on those guys because you need those guys to step up. Like, you know, this is the second year for Lafreniere, a real first season for him because it's it's an actual yes. full NHL season. Uh, but in Kako's case, you want to see more from him. Like, this is his third year now. Like, you got to you got to have a little bit more from him. like Jack Hughes. He's already kind of taken off with Jersey like that's. You see that happening across the river, and you're like, "All right, man, like, time's a wasting, dude. Like, let's let's get let's get a step on." The only here, defense but. to Laffy there is that Hughes doesn't have Panarin and Zabanajad and Kreider uh, on the top six, you know, as far as those contracts yeah. and and where they're positioned uh, in playing here. And, and uh, but but you know, I'm I'm I, I agree with you. I think you know they're both kind of you know they're unique situations. I think more than anything. You just want to see the guy play more, and, and I think you know Gallant seems to just be wow. It's oh my god, is it different or is it really just Quinn with a mustache now? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we've seen Turk have success everywhere else he's gone. I mean, he did a great job in Florida, did a great job in Vegas, 
And, you know, both of those places, those, you know, those runs came to a very abrupt end. I mean, obviously Florida was, that was ugly. They left them on the tarmac yeah. or they left them at the arena or whatever it was like, good Lord guys, like, come on. And then Vegas, that was, you know, they basically traded him out for, for Pete DeBoer after they, after they were, you know, faced each other in the playoffs, which is, which was all kinds of frigging weird. But, um, but like, I mean, he was, he was the name guy to get there and he's done well. Like you can't really argue with it, but you do want to see more minutes for those guys because you need to see them against some kind of different matchup. You need different matchups for them. You need, you need some other things going on for them to get them to give them a lift, but you also got to know what you got too. That's the other part. Like if, if there's, if there was a way to, to cycle those guys in and out with those top two lines and not really throw off everything else, you know, out about your, about your lineup, I would do it. But the problem is, though, is if you go really top heavy, like say if you put Kako with Kreider and Zabinajad, you know, Barkley Goudreau is now going to be on that third line, which is probably where he belongs. Like, yeah. it's, it's not going to twist it. Like having him play with Heedle, that would probably be a good mix up because, you know, Heedle's a big dude, you know, he's a big young guy, and Goudreau, you know, we know what he can do. Um, but then I, you know, you have to wonder if, if those are good mixes, you know, what's going on there and, you know, how eager Turk is to, to shake, the, shake those things up. To me, it's early enough in the season that you can play around with that stuff and figure it out. Um, but like, I, I get wanting to get out of the gate and get established first before you start really kind of messing. And injuries kind of make you toss your lineup around a bit. So we'll see where it moves from here. But I, I understand getting antsy about both those young guys because I want to, you know, you want to see more goals from them, and you want to see like the hype's been huge on them. You know, the spotlight is on them. Fans know that they're there. They're like, they're like, hey, man, you got your number one and a number two pick. Like, let's go already. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, it is. It's just a little more patience here for, for, the, for the team. And I think, um, you know, Turksman, uh, the last couple of games, you've seen a lot more of them. You know, threw them out in the penalty shots the other night, too, and stuff. So, look, mm-hmm. the Rangers are in a good position. So, everybody's got to be relaxed. And I'm sure the organization sees, uh, the, I think the deficiency is more on the defensive side. And the shots they're giving up every game, they've got to watch it because I think Shesty will be burnt out here, uh, and that's why Hank Lundqvist is laughing in the MSC MSG Network booth every night. <laughs> well, that's, going, been, a, that's, that's been a Rangers. You see what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but like that's been a Rangers problem. Like what the last five years? Exactly. They've been like yeah. they've been like a speedy. You know, they've been killing people with speed, but the speed ain't on the back end. The back end, <laughs> back end's been getting shot out like yeah. crazy. So, yeah, I mean, you got to address it at some point, but. You know, everybody threw the blame on Mark Stahl years ago. Well, Stahl's gone now. I don't know who they're blaming now. I don't know. I don't know if, like, Truba's taking some hits they're, from yeah, this. Yeah, the Ranger or, fans like, are stuck because Truba's actually been playing pretty well. Like, who, who right. did yell at? So, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't know who you bury at this point. Yeah, it's all I, there's a couple of There's a couple of guys I should I should follow to know who they're burying, but, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I've seen people picking on Keandre Miller, and I'm like, come on. Right? Like, he's, Not after the goal right. he scored last week. Come on. Oh, no, like, come on. Cut him a break, please. Yeah. Like, uh, figured out, figured out in the defense. Like if they ever, if the Rangers ever figured out on the defensive side of things, they'd be a lot better off. They got time. They've still got a couple of um, oh, yeah. good prospects down on the farm team too that can come up as well. So, uh, last thing, Joe Islanders, they're going to straighten this thing out. Obviously, the, the new building this weekend coming home. Fan base has uh, been just incredible for this organization the last three to five years. Obviously, with Lamarillo and Trotz coming in here, getting them close to the dance the last two seasons under very unique situations. Very tough uh, playoff um, rides that they had to take and letdowns. 
little struggle out of the gate on the road. Um, but just, you know, just give me your two cents here as far as Barry Trotz, New York Icelanders to, uh, to take a pun from uh, retiring sports WFAN <laughs> legend Steve Summers here as he said goodbye this week as well. <laughs> the the Ice- Icelanders. I love Steve Summers, and he always made Islanders fans so angry every yes. time he'd say that. He'd just get them so worked up. But I, I look at the Islanders, and I hate saying this about Zdeno Chara, but dude looks done. He looks, he looks like he's in rough shape, which is crazy because he's one of the most fit athletes I've ever seen in my life. Um, the guy's an absolute freak, but he's 44. And you know maybe, maybe you don't need to be playing him that much like second pairing minutes like i don't know if we need to do that with them um but they need goals they need goals something awful like their offense is terrible right now but like everything is not clicking for them like it's just the the offense isn't going like their their grind lines aren't getting the same kind of work like cases Ezekiel has had a tough season you know they they you know they part of ways with uncle leo like he's he's going back to russia um you know, Andy Green is still getting a ton of time out there. And, you know, him and I don't know if him and Chara are a pair, but like if they are, the 44 and 39 year olds as a pair, whoo boy. <laughs> remember what? Remember watching them when I was a kid for crying out loud. Like, let's, let's go. But, um, but if there's something that's been saving, I mean, the Pollock injury stinks. Like, that's really hard. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that's a kick in the pants you didn't need, especially when you're finally getting home. Um, did not need that at all. Um, but I'll say Sorokin's look pretty good. You know, like he's been good. I know there's some concern of Verlama, but like whatever. He, he was banged up before the season. Let him get in shape. Let him get it figured out. Sorokin's been keeping him afloat, honestly. For as afloat as a last place team can be, he's been he's been taking care of business. I don't even know how many games he's been stuck on the short end of the stick because the team can't score. Yeah. Um but you want but like again, you want to see more. You want more from Palmer. You want, you know, Barzel's you know, it's all right, like, you know, eight points, but you need better. Andres Lee's got four goals, like, okay, like, that's cool and all. Like, if you're just, like, you know, maybe maybe eight games into the season or nine games, but, you know, when you're 12, 13 in and your leading scorer's got nine points, not feeling very good about that. Uh, so you, you want to see these guys step up. I think getting home is going to be the biggest thing that saves them, though. Because uh, that kind of road trip to start the season just absolutely sucks. Like, that's brutal. It could rejuvenate them, too, because they've missed that fan base since yeah. last year. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, and it's going to yeah. be huge. I mean, a new building, new fan base. I mean, if, look, if they if they lose here this weekend and lose, then then we know it's it's a bigger issue. Yeah, and I think, I think Barry's been trying to be as patient as he can with it. We saw him crack a little bit few days back where he's just like, he's like, we might have to make some big personnel changes here. And it's just like, Oh geez. Okay. Yeah, All right. Barry, Barry usually doesn't tip his hand that yep. much to say something like that. So, you know, he's, he's hot under the collar about how things are going. So, um, I, I think they, they really just want to wait it, you know, get through this in, giant road trip and get it figured out at home and see, see what works, see what doesn't, and then go from there. Cause I, I don't know what kind of help they've got in Bridgeport waiting for him. I don't know if they have any help down there at all because most of the guys that have been good at Bridgeport the last couple years are now with the team so uh so yeah I'll I'll be very interested to see how this plays out because to me they're a team that has like they should have Stanley Cup aspirations they 100% should the way they play the way they play in the postseason the way they they played the last few years they 100% should but this is a this is a concerning start 
uh, for me. Uh, if if I'm an Isles fan, I'm I'm not full blown panic mode, but I'm getting a little antsy. I'm getting a little bit like, all right, man, like we got to do something here, especially after not really doing anything in free agency. You know, you brought in Charlie, you bring in Parise, like, okay, but those guys are older. Like, oh, you yeah, know, that's you, right. you know what you're getting on that team too. Forgot about <laughs> him. Oh yeah. Him and his three assists, you forgot oh about God. him, right? Yeah, geez, weird. Oh, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, it's uh, it's a little concerning because I'm looking up and down this lineup. It's a lot of low single-digit guys for points. It's a lot of, a lot of low single-digit points. You know, everybody's got single digits for, for scoring, which is not, not, not good. 13 games in the season. And they're looking up at the Buffalo Sabres, baby. <laughs> Trotsy can't like that, or Lou Lamb. Anyway. We'll see what happens. The new building this weekend, and they get another fresh start here on the island. Joe, as always, great stuff. Love the noted hockey stuff. Have a super weekend, and uh, we'll be back at it here. Uh, actually, it's Thanksgiving next weekend, buddy, so we'll let all the fans know when we're coming back, all right? That's right. That's all right. right. We'll enjoy the turkey in the meantime. Yeah, gobble, gobble. <laughs> all right, buddy, be safe. Talk to you later. You got it, Paulie. Joe Yard, everybody. THS rolls on. Well, all right, it's time to head out to the great city of Chicago. Find out how Blackhawks are doing and what else is happening over there in the uh, Central Division, Western Conference. With our good friend, Mr. Tab Bambert. Tab, how are you today on this uh, fine Thursday afternoon? Uh, I guess, yeah, it's afternoon by you too, buddy. What's going on in Chi-Town? It is a beautiful, chilly day here in Chicago with a team that at least superficially is rolling right now. How about them apples? 4-0 and on the DK, man. What is happening? Looking good. Amazing I mean, what a change in the room can do for a team that looked like uh, absolute hot garbage for a month. I tell you, man. Um, you know, we're, uh, it's never going to go away. It's, and I say it not to be forgotten, obviously. But the team now, as far as what's going on on the ice, we got good news. Um, you know, obviously yeah. with, with you – Firing Carlton. Um, we're still waiting for your press conference. Obviously, everybody here at THS waiting for your official press conference announcing Carlton's uh, departure uh, and and the uh, the moving up here at Derek King. Four and zero. Watched a little of the game last night in Seattle. Uh, looking good. I mean, you know, the Brinkat. So you're not. So you're not drinking the decaf today. Is what you're saying? No, no, no. Look, the Brinkat's scoring. He's fighting. Uh, you know, following your tweets, uh, the flower's back, man. The Vezina, he's back, man. Um, so it's all good. But, I mean, you know, you just you have to just take this for what it is. You're a realist here. But you'll take 4-0, 8 points, and then Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary left on this road trip. Yeah, I mean, look, let, let, let's be very, very painfully real for a moment here. The Blackhawks are 4-0 and since Jeremy Calton got canned. Uh, they have not trailed. In a game since Jeremy Carlton got canned. Uh, I do firmly believe that there is a correlation between the two, uh, but I think we need to take a step back for a moment. The first game under Derek King was at home against a Nashville team that had won four of their last five, and they escaped from that game in overtime. 2-1 win in OT. Pittsburgh came in. Banged up, no Crosby, no Malkin. Uh, and the Blackhawks were able to escape that game with a 3-2 win in the shootout. Uh, 
Then they hosted Arizona, which there are dumpster fires that have requested that we not uh, direct any type of relationship between them and the Arizona Coyotes right now because Arizona is awful. They have played 16 games. They have five points. They have two wins. Good for them for winning both in regulation, but they're 1-4-0 at home, 1-9-1 on the road. So let's not be like, oh, they beat Arizona. Suddenly the world has changed. And then they went to Seattle last night, and uh, Seattle is offensively challenged, I think would be generous. Uh, They had lost four in a row before last night, and that streak has now reached five. Um, They are struggling to score goals. And their defense, if you bring any kind of speed whatsoever to the table, can be taken advantage of. And I think Philip Grubauer would probably like at least one of them back last night, which would have made the game more interesting. But Seattle's got their own problems. They have nine points in 16 games. So two of the four games have been against teams that have 14 combined points in 32 games. So let's not act like the Blackhawks are now Stanley Cup favorites. However, there are some things that I think that you can dig in and be excited about. Since Carlton got canned, Marc-Andre Fleury has started against uh, Seattle, Arizona, and Pittsburgh. Again, Pittsburgh without Crosby and Malkin, um, but certainly better even without them than Arizona and Seattle. But he's allowed five goals against 100 shots. He's getting wins in his, in his, in his, on his sheet. That's and, he and he has been flopping everywhere. He is the Marc-Andre Fleury that won the Vesna last year, yep. at least in the last three games since Carlton got canned. 95 save percentage. Obviously, we'll take that to the bank all day, every day. He's got, but if you go further back since the calendar flipped to November, he's got a 923 save percentage. So, whatever was troubling him in October appears to have been put in the rearview mirror. My concern is the volume of shots that he's facing. And again, he faced four, I think, 44 shots against Pittsburgh. And you'd like to see that number obviously be significantly lower. But last night he was absolutely marvelous. But last night was a game in which the Blackhawks dressed seven defensemen for good and bad. Uh, They've got some injury issues up front. Tyler Johnson got put on long-term injured reserve yesterday before the game. uh, But activated off of long-term injured reserve was Caleb Jones, who was the big piece that they got from Edmonton in the Duncan Keith trade. Uh, And his first shift was with his brother, Seth, who continues to just, for me, watching him since the first couple games, as we've talked about, it was a dumpster fire out of the gate for Seth. But he has played like a guy who's worth the money that the Blackhawks gave him uh, over the last couple weeks, certainly. Uh, he went 23 minutes last night, blocked three shots, had two hits, scored the first goal of the game. Uh, he, he's been absolutely worthy of the price that they paid to get him and the money that they're giving him long term. Uh, and you start to see little things like different guys stepping up and playing well. I think Philip Kurashev in 13 minutes had a really strong game last night. Dylan Strom reinserted into the lineup after being in the doghouse with Jeremy Colleton for a while. We've talked about him being trade bait. Um, He has come back strong to his credit. 
uh, and is getting a little bit more work at the dot, which I think is great. Henrik Borgstrom is back from injury as well. So this is a team that's starting to get a full complement of players back, uh, and they're starting to play pretty well. So And the Jones brothers are hanging out together too, man. Yeah, I mean, it was the first time that they played in a game together since they were kids, and that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, and I, I would argue that when he's got his legs back fully underneath him, Caleb skated 9.53 last night with a shot on goal and a block shot. He was maybe, the again, limited for some of the veterans, especially DeHaan coming back from an injury and McCabe coming back from injury. But Caleb Jones was the Blackhawks' best defenseman in the preseason before the wrist injury. And I think the, one of the reasons the Blackhawks have been as adamant as they have been with both coaches uh, about McCabe and Murphy being together is because I think they'd like to see the Jones brothers together. And I'd be totally here for it. Uh, obviously, that's going to put a little bit more defensive responsibility on Caleb's shoulders because Seth is a guy who's going to grab it and go. Uh, I think, you know, Calvin DeHaan's done an adequate job with Seth uh, at times. He's been a block shot machine since Calton got let go. He had another four blocks last night. But you're seeing little things turning in the right direction. And that's really all you can ask for from a team that started as miserably as the Blackhawks did is show us baby steps, win the games that you're supposed to win and make it interesting in the games that you probably shouldn't win. And we go back to talking about, for me, the, the L on Jeremy Carlton's tenure this year was the back-to-back home games two-thirds of the way through October when the Blackhawks lost 4-1 and 6-3 to Vancouver and Detroit at the United Center. Those are games that the Blackhawks needed to win after dropping their first four, and they got it absolutely handed to them by two teams that are not very good. Detroit actually performing very well right now, I would say, all things considered. Vancouver's been really bad. They've lost their last five, like Seattle has, uh, coming into Thursday. So all you can really ask for a team that started with nine straight losses is baby steps. I don't think that they're going to turn the Titanic around and become a playoff team overnight. But if the ship starts to turn in the right direction and you start to see some of those modest improvements in different places and the right guys are starting to get healthy and perform well, those are things that you can build on. Um, But they'll certainly be tested in Edmonton on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, a road trip like this is always good for a, not only a team to, to bond together, but obviously a new coach. I want to swing back to uh, Derek King here as well, you know, since taking over. Obviously success. He hasn't really had to talk about uh, why do you think the guy's lost or, or this or that yet. Um, we talked about uh, pedigree with uh, his experience under Al Arbor and his experience playing uh, over the years. Tab Phillison, uh, continuing again, since we last spoke, uh, really just the, the two games, Arizona there and, and Seattle. But um, what have you seen from him, let's just say, in, in communications as far as postgame, uh, what he's talking about, things that maybe you say that, the you know, how the, the lines are being worked, working with the injuries. Do you, Overall, do you like how – do you like with Derek King, the message that he's bringing so far as far as communications and what he's giving to reporters – and what he's talking about and say maybe how he's managing the game so quickly, so soon. And like I said, uh, with with the winning record so far. Well, I think, you know, one thing, little like back page news, not New York standards, but like not earth shattering stuff. But before the game, 
on Wednesday night, the Hawks announced that they'd brought in Rob Cookson as an assistant coach and elevated Mark Crawford's title to associate coach. Um, Cookson's been on coaching staffs in Ottawa, Calgary, and Philly, and Kyle Davidson liked what the interim GM, Kyle Davidson, has said that he likes the idea of having a fresh voice. Um, so it looks like they've fully baked out Derek King's staff now. But again, I think if you go back and look at some of the subcontext to a lot of the things that are being said in Chicago, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that there were some very firm underlying issues with how Jerry, Jeremy Colton was doing things, and they're working to rectify them. And I think one of the reasons that Derek King has resonated so much is you hear the players talking about playing with instinct and that he's laid back and he jokes around and he's a very lighthearted guy. Last night, listening to Carlton, or not Carlton, listening to Derek King before the game, he, t- thank God we weren't I listening to I know, you're still getting used to it. <laughs> oh. um, what a refreshing move that is. Uh, no, but look, li- listening to Derek King talk about the elevation and title of Mark Crawford, very subtle, but if you pay attention to a lot of what's been said and talked about around this organization, what Derek King said was, Mark Crawford's been in this game for a long time. He's had a lot of great success as a head coach in this league. If I didn't listen to him and lean on him and engage with him and learn from him, I'd be an idiot. Mm-hmm. And to me, that says two things. One, his predecessor didn't do that, if at all, certainly enough. And two, Derek King gets it. Mark Crawford's resume speaks for itself. He's, he's been a very good coach for a long time in the National Hockey League, but some of the extracurricular stuff in Ottawa uh, cost him a job, and he's now working his way to try and get a head coaching gig back in the National Hockey League. But when Derek King says things like, I don't feel like I've got to run the whole ship, I let the guys run what they're responsible for, and then we it's collaborative. I'm the head coach in title, but everybody's got a voice in the room just a lot of consistent things that are being said by King and by the players about this isn't a monarchy anymore. This, this is a dialogue. The players have input. The coaches are all talking to each other. Everyone is trying to raise the caliber of play on the ice. When you hear things like that consistently and the talking points are all almost in unison, what that says to me is these are things that didn't happen under the previous regime. Jeremy Calton was was not engaging with his assistant coaches. Jeremy Calton was not engaging with his players or encouraging feedback from his players. And this is what what's changed. And the response from the team has been visible. The effort it, we we talk we've talked every week on the show about how awful the Blackhawks have started. And they've gone out in the first period of every game. And looked good. Now, again, with you know, I don't want to piss on the fire too much here, but the second, third periods of the last few games, they have opened the door and allowed teams to crawl back in that they should have stomped on. And last night, Marc-Andre Fleury got them two points. With all due respect to Alex DeBrinkett's Gordie Howe hat trick, uh, or as they were saying on TNT, the Rick Tockett hat trick. Um, <laughs> Marc-Andre Fleury stole points last night because he was – the Blackhawks allowed three shots on goal in the opening 20 minutes. 
they allowed 30 shots on goal in the final 40. And they were grossly outshot in each of the second and third periods. And that's with no power plays in the first two periods. And it, it was pretty much break even in the third period. So special teams weren't a massive contributor here. They were just under siege. And Marc-Andre Fleury held them in it. But you've seen them start better. You've seen them clamp down when they need to. And the guys are playing, again, with confidence and instinct. And a lot of these guys are paid really well because their instincts are next level. So as far as what I've seen from Derek King and what I've heard from Derek King, it's that he knows one thing, and that's that he doesn't know everything. And after having a young guy that was told by the gentleman who hired him that he was the flavor of the week and he was a genius and it was his ship to run, it has to be refreshing for the guys in the room to have a coach come in who knows that he doesn't know everything and is an open book and wants to have that collaboration. When you've got veterans like Kane and Taves in the room that have been through it, I can't believe it's been 15 years for the two of them, but when you've got guys like that that have been through it, when you've got other experienced guys like Calvin DeHaan in that room and Ryan Carpenter, um, these are guys that have been through a lot of pretty big battles, and they've been through a lot of stuff on the ice, and now they're going through it together. Having a coach come in and want to have that engagement is huge, and you've seen that response from the team. So is is, uh, Derek King the permanent solution to the Jeremy Colleton problem? I don't know, but I like what I've seen so far, and I'm totally thrilled that they're going to hopefully give him. It sounds like Kyle Davidson is saying they're going to give him the rest of the year to run it and see how things go. I like it because he's a fresh voice. We've talked about the L. Arbor pedigree and playing for a guy like L. Arbor. But he's a guy that wants to come in and learn. And for me, that speaks volumes about the character of the guy. And I think that that is part of that learning from Al Arbor, hockey individual, player, coach. He's a hockey guy. He's a lifer. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that he doesn't know everything and he's cool with learning still on the job. And I, I love to see that because he's a guy that's coming in very unassuming and letting the players and his assistant coaches help him turn that ship, and that's that's what they need. They don't need someone to come in, and that's why we talked about is Torts the guy. I don't know if you bring in somebody with an iron fist like Torts at this point in the year and try and like have some t- kind of a miraculous resurrection. You need to see baby steps, and Derek King is helping them achieve that while they've got guys missing with COVID and injuries and everything else. It's not a perfect product in Chicago, but we've seen them right the ship, and Derek King's been a big reason for that. Yeah, and, and the whole Crawford Derek King thing here. I mean, the two of them obviously together can be a part of, uh, you know, writing a new storyline for the Hawks as a team here. And as far as the the team on ice, uh, you know, obviously one of the most popular teams in the NHL, if not the world. Um, so I, I mean, it would benefit both of them obviously as far as their career aspirations moving forward. Whether Derek King getting staying here as a head coach or moving on, and obviously Crawford wanting to get back there too. And if the two of them can work together here and uh, turn things around here in Chicago, uh, that'll be full marks for their resume. The other thing I like about King, too, is, um, you know, obviously a few games here, but um, besides um, Borgstrom and, and you mentioned Caleb Jones there last night, he seems to be getting uh, going out his way to learn his lineup, uh, spreading out the ice time. Uh, everybody's getting a lot of um, looks out there, and I think uh, on a young team, too, this has got to be great as well. And the last thing I'll ask you, uh, too, is um, as far as Flurry here um, – carrying the weight uh where do you see what happens and 
you know, there's a great test coming up here against Edmonton, a Vancouver team that's going to be very desperate for that win uh, on Sunday night. And then Calgary, who's playing great before coming back to uh, games against St. Louis, San Jose, and then they head out east by me here uh, with games against the Caps, Islanders, and uh, a couple of two games there against my Rangers and Montreal, and goes on and on and on. So with four wins, ice time, Crawford and King working here together, uh, and this road trip coming up uh, on the West Coast here, um, you know, there's a lot going on for you and, and other Blackhawk fans to kind of maybe lean in and look a little deeper into what this team's doing and maybe kind of get over the change so much. And now, okay, let's see what this team can do now. Let's see where King can take these guys over these next uh, two weeks of stretch of games coming up. Yeah, and again, you know, it used to be back in the day that the Blackhawks would have a two-week and the Bulls both would have a two-week road trip in November because the circus would come literally to the United Center. It was called the circus trip. That's no longer a reality, but you've got this four-game stretch in Seattle, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary. And King talked about he feels like this is a big seven days, really, on the road because you don't have that two-week trip. But he's now got time where they've got a day off. Uh, They've actually got uh, you know three days, two days, Thursday, Friday, um, off between Seattle and Edmonton. Obviously, they got to cross the border and go through the the COVID protocol stuff heading into Canada for three games. But this is a time where they're going to be together on the road for a week. The players can bond a little bit. The coaching staff can bond a little bit. Everyone can collectively break bread and kind of work on getting on the same page. And I think that this, this becomes a really important stretch for them to build on something. And the fact that they're starting to get some guys back, how they build this lineup out when it's fully healthy is going to be fascinating. They obviously went with the seven defensemen last night. Adam Gaudet ended up being a late scratch for Caleb Jones as a seventh defenseman. Um, But I would imagine that when they've got a full complement of everybody healthy, the why the hell did they sign him? Eric Gustafson is going to have to find either a place to rent in Rockford or a new home. Because that signing never made sense to me in the first place. Um, But you're going to start having more options. And you're going to start seeing how Derek King puts that lineup on the ice. And one last thing that I'll I'll say about how Derek King has built his lineup. Last night in Seattle, something that I wrote today um, is that the Blackhawks have a, a, a very glaring problem right now. And that's at the dot. Jonathan Taves has returned to his elite status at the dot, but he has taken almost 50% of the team's faceoffs thus far this season. And one guy, especially a guy that missed all of last year for medical reasons and health-related issues, shouldn't have to carry that much burden, but here he is doing it. The guy that's number two on the team who's taken about a quarter of the faceoffs is Kirby Doc, and Kirby's winning 30% which I, I would argue a blind rabbit could probably win 15%. So if you're only winning 30%, that's problematic. But this is a kid that every element of his game screams turning into a superstar. But he is still he just continues to be terrible at the dot. And last night in Seattle against a team that's offensively challenged, he's been riding between Kane and Debrinkit, 
since King took over, and he's left him there, even with the face-off struggles. And we've talked about this in the past. If you can't win a face-off, it's hard to possess the puck because you got to chase it to get it before you can start an offensive shift. He took 13 of the 25 face-offs in the game for the Blackhawks in the first two periods. He only won three of the 13 that he took. But everybody else, including Taves, only took 12 face-offs. He took 13 in the first two periods. And to me, that says that Derek King is going to let this kid fail because he knows what the growth, what the potential is. He's looking at a sky-high ceiling for this kid. And a lot of people talked about Ryan Getzlaff, who just picked up his thousandth point earlier this week, as a comp for this kid when he got drafted. And you start to see that. He's starting to use his big frame well. This is a kid that isn't going to legally be able to grab a cocktail after a game until later in the season. He's still 20 years old, but he's starting to figure out how big and strong he is. And the question becomes if the Blackhawks want to really turn this thing around hard, do they start considering Doc as a winger and have Dylan Strom, who's winning 55% of his faceoffs, albeit he's averaging less than seven per game right now. But do they give Dylan Strom a little more run at the dot and look at Doc maybe being a winger? Or do they look at the long play and say, we believe that he is the future of the franchise as a number one center? He sucks at the dot right now, but we're going to keep working at it until he figures it out. Um, but it, A, it's a huge problem that they need to figure out how to win more faceoffs other than 19. But it spoke volumes to me about how Derek King is showing his players that he has confidence that he's going to tell Kirby Doc he's going to be the number one center on this team no matter what. And even though he's getting his tail whipped at the dot, he kept rolling him out there. And like a number one center... He took half of the faceoffs, and they were bad. But these are things that you have to go through. And I remind Blackhawks fans in the comment section and social media very frequently that two and seven were not the future Hall of Famers that they became right out of the gate. There were some ugly moments. Kane and Taves had some ugly moments when they just came up, and it wasn't just the Jerry Curl on Patrick Kane and the acne that they had to fight through as teenagers. There, there are times that it's hard to be a professional hockey player as a teenager. And Kirby Doc missed his entire sophomore season because of a wrist, pretty much. And that wrist could still be a contributing factor to how he's performing at the dot. But Derek King putting him out there time and time again last night spoke volumes to me about how he is going to allow some of these players to fall on the sword. Now, in the third period, when it started to get tough, Taves was out there for every single drop of the puck. But that's winning hockey. But allowing young players to fail and putting them back out there and giving them the opportunity to learn from that experience is what we expected Jeremy Colton to do, and he didn't do it. And that's something that spoke volumes to me, and it said a lot about Derek King's philosophy as a coach, that he was going to allow Kirby Doc to fail because he sees what the long game is. And that the, the long-term dividends of failures can be really incredible careers. But you got to let them fail, and you got to let them pick themselves back up, kick the dust off their ass, and go try to do it again. 
That's what being an athlete is all about. Failure happens. Best baseball players in history strike out 70% of, or don't make an out 70% of the time. You have to learn from failure and get more opportunities. And frankly, that was a, that, that was a, a rub that a lot of people in Chicago had with Joel Quinville was if, if you went out and had a crappy shift, your ass was stapled to the bench for half a period, for a full period. That happened to guys like Brandon Sod and Andrew Shaw when they were babies. And you want to see if you're truly building, and let's not use the term rebuild around Chicago anymore because the way that they aggressively attack their offseason, you don't go get Seth Jones and hand him $9.5 million and Marc-Andre Fleury and Jake McCabe. You don't bring those guys in if you're rebuilding. You're building now. You are in the chasing it category. But you have young players that still need development. Kirby Doc still needs to develop. He is not a finished product the way that Patrick Kane is. I would submit even Alex DeBrinkett has things that he could learn, but damn if he isn't playing like a guy that's going to play a top six role for the United States if we go to the Olympics. But these guys, they're not, they're not finished products. There's a lot of learning that still has to happen at the NHL level. And Derek King sending him out there with the volume that he did was really impressive for me. And I applauded it because even if Kirby had a really rough night at the dot, he kept letting him dust himself off and go try to do it again. And hopefully, hopefully we start to see that paying dividends this season because Kirby Doc has his ceiling is sky high. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people that firmly believes that that kid is going to be an absolute superstar in this league. He is the future of the Chicago Blackhawks. But you got to let him learn from his mistakes, and you got to let him play through it sometimes. And last night they let him play through it, and he impressed me with that. That's good stuff. And maybe we'll see more of that here with uh, King and Crawford at the helm going forward. Uh, by the time we get back to it next week, we're going to decide here at THS. Obviously next week is uh, American Thanksgiving, so uh, we might bump things up. But we'll at least have three to four games to talk about whether or not we move it up uh, next week before the holiday. Last thing before I let you go, Tab, um, I'll let you pick the team, two teams that are going in different directions here. Jets with three wins uh, into Edmonton tonight uh, at the top of the Pacific, I mean the uh, Central Division, apologize there. And or the Islanders, obviously starting the season off on the long road trip, uh, four losses in a row, crawling back to Long Island to play their brand new building uh, first game against Calgary uh, on Saturday night. You you pick them, which one do you want to kind of take a hit at there? I mean, I, th- I think Winnipeg right now is doing a really nice job. The Islanders, look, I, you start the season with 13 games on the road. That's that's really hard. To, n- to not be home for six weeks to start the regular season, that's hard. Have the Islanders played as well as people expected? Hell no. They have not. They have massively underwhelmed so far this season. 29 goals in 13 games, clearly not good enough. You can't be, even, even with arguably the best one-two tandem in net in the entire National Hockey League, you can't score 29 in 13 games and think that you're going to end up on the right side of the ledger too often. But at the same time, coming home 5-6-2 and two on the road, that's not crazy. Winnipeg is 2-2-2 two, two and two away from home. Uh, Anaheim, 3-2-2 two, two on the road. 
you look at a lot of the teams that are that are near the tops of their divisions. Edmonton's five three and zero away from home. Minnesota six three and zero at home. Calgary six two and two away from home. You're not going to rack up an incredible road record if you're not a bona fide juggernaut. And you look at the teams in their division. Carolina six one and zero on the road. That's the best mark in the National Hockey League by a long shot. The Florida Panthers are three two and three away from home. Okay, so there are a lot of teams that have not had easy going on the road early this year because of all the COVID protocols and everything that you got to go through when you're on the road. Still, as an NHL athlete, for them to go five six and two on the road is okay for any stretch and they you look at the number of games that teams have played Washington has played eight road games out of 17 okay so these these are teams that are playing half of their games at home they can sleep in their own bed yeah i want to see what the islanders do when they get home and the reality for islanders fans and the hope that they should have is look they got four games in hand on Washington. They got three in hand on the Rangers. Uh, only Columbus has played as few games as they have at 13 thus far in the Metro. And the fact that they've played their first 13 on the road means they've got 13 more games at home than on the road the rest of the way. So that new barn better sparkle, and they better make hay when they get into their own beds because the schedule's going to balance out and they're going to make up for it with some lengthy homestands here the rest of the way. But, I mean, asking a team to play their first 13 on the road is mind-numbing. I, I, I really struggled with that before the season started. So for them to come home with 12 points and 13 road games, I don't think that's a, as terrible as a lot of people are making it out to be. But when you put it in the context of, the only 13 games they played have been on the road that 12 points in 13 games feels a lot worse than it probably is because a lot of teams aren't crushing it on the road right now. The road is not an easy place to play and they've only been on the road. So let's see what they do. But now, like I, like I've said for the last half hour about the Chicago Blackhawks, now you got to see them do it. You're coming home. It's time to make up for lost time, energize your fans, live off of the energy in your new barn. Islanders fans are some of the most passionate in the National Hockey League. I don't have to tell you that, being in the area. They're great fans. Everything I've heard is that that barn is going to be absolutely amazing. So let's see the Islanders respond to that and get back on track. Uh, And obviously, with all of the games that they have to make up, with the home slate balancing out, they're going to have an opportunity to do that. But the players have to do it. And that 29 and 13 is my, my concern. We knew that they weren't going to be the Edmonton Oilers, but we need to see more than two and a half a game for them to be able to support, again, the best goaltending tandem in the National Hockey League. So my eyes are going to be on the Islanders going home. I can't wait to see that new joint. Hopefully at some point I'm able to get out there and see it in person. But I want to see how they respond to getting in front of Islanders nation uh, and playing at home, sleeping in their own beds. Cause that, that'll tell me a lot about where this team can go. Cause I still think they've got the talent and the depth in that lineup to be a legit player in the Eastern conference. 
but they got work to do. No doubt about it. I got one of the best behind the bench and up in the front office there as well, too. Four in a row coming up at the brand new UBS Arena. It's gorgeous. Drive by it here myself. Uh, inside, it looks breathtaking. And uh, the Islanders just have to make it their own right now. The fan base is pumped. Big parties this weekend going on there. Calgary coming into town Saturday. The hated Leafs. The hated Rangers. And they don't like the Pittsburgh Penguins either. So there's four great games. How loud is that place going to be for the Rangers? It's going to be huge. First time the Rangers come yeah. to that new barn. And they've designed it uh, similarly like the bowl at the Coliseum because they wanted to keep that that volume. And uh, no doubt the Islander fans are going to bring it. So exciting stuff going on here on Long Island and for the team. And there's a ton of season left for the Islanders to straighten things out. Tab, as always, great stuff. We'll figure it out next week if we get a show in before Thanksgiving. We'll let the fans know as we go forward. But until then, man, have a great weekend. Hey, you got a book signing this week, by any chance? Uh, I had one last night. I've got one on Friday night, and I've got one on Saturday afternoon. Wow. So... The wife uh, hates that I'm leaving her with the kids, but not seeing me as much probably a good trade off. So uh, we're we're, get, we're getting out there and spreading the good word. Uh, last thing I'll leave the the folks with: uh, it was poetic last night that the Blackhawks will play their first game ever in Seattle on the 95th anniversary of the first game ever in Blackhawks history. Wow! So. Uh, 95 years ago on August, uh, August on November 17th, the Toronto St. Pats visited the Chicago Coliseum and lost to the uh, wet-behind-the-ears first game in franchise history, Chicago Blackhawks. Look at that. A little history for you folks out there. That's what Tab's all about, baby. Well, good stuff. All right, man. Well, enjoy the, uh, the signings. Keep it going, brother. The book is amazing. And enjoy this little ride here, the... Uh, the Hawks are on. Should be fun out in this uh, Canadian Western Conference, uh, Western Canadian trip here, too. Tab, you're the best as always. Have a great weekend, buddy. You, too. Remember, bet the over in Edmonton because that, that one might see nine goals scored. <laughs> All right. Tab, ever, ladies and gentlemen, and THS rolls on. Well, all right. It's time. To head out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Anyway, you slice it. It's time to bring in our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, currently residing in the great state of California. Rumor has it that's changing soon. But anyway, welcome back, buddy. What's happening? Paulie, happy Thursday to you. Uh, happy to be here. Excited to be on the show once again. Yes. A little hangout every week, buddy. You know, <laughs> feels great. Guys, this guys I've known for years. I don't keep in touch with like I do with you, and Joe, and Tab. It's great. No kidding. No it's kidding. a little hockey therapy session every week. <laughs> Absolutely, and sometimes we need it to blow up a little steam. Yes, it's good and healthy. Good and healthy. All right, pal. So look for you today. A tale of three teams. Yes, and that is um, your New Jersey Devils. We always check yep. in with. The Colorado Avalanche, which you are affectionately covering now for Hockey Buzz at HockeyBuzz.com. That's right. And mm-hmm. the seven in a row winning Anaheim Ducks? Are you kidding me? Cor- Throwing sticks? That's eight. Is it eight? That's eight in a row, buddy. Oh, yes. man. I, I didn't read far <laughs> enough back on the app. Look at me. Eight in a row <laughs> throwing sticks in the stands. It's all good. Yep. Where do you uh, want to start? Up- uh, let's start there. Let's start with the Ducks. Let's do it. Uh, I think it, it's only appropriate. I mean, they're leading the Western Conference. Uh, like you said, eight games in a row. 
and they're getting contributions from everywhere. The uh, Ryan Getzlaff gets his 1,000th career point and his 1,000th career game, and um, he's he's you know top three in assists. Uh, he's being rejuvenated playing with these young guys. He talked about the, the stick toss for Trevor Segris at the overtime goal, which, by the way, was done first by Jack Hughes with his overtime goal. But um, it seems to be a thing with these uh, these uh, developmental team players at stick toss, which is cool. But Zegers did get a penalty for that, which Jack did not. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? The Ducks are <laughs> – no kidding. The Ducks are just playing really good. And, uh, you know, it's actually a little bit unsurprising. Uh, it's a little surprising – but you're getting lots of contributions from from all up and down the lineup. Shattenkirk is playing really well. Really big bonus on the uh, on the power play. Um, they're 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 winning on the road. They're winning at home. Of course, they got John Gibson who's playing really well. And uh, man, they're not showing any signs of slowing down. You know, you get out of the gate hot and you think maybe they'll hit a couple bumps in the road. But they they've been winning games um, in all sorts of different fashions. They're scoring goals, which I think is the biggest difference. We always knew that this team could could defend, and we know they had solid goaltending, but they're actually scoring goals. They only trail, you know. They, I think they have sixty goals this season, and Edmonton has sixty one or sixty two. So they're they're right up there with with them as far as goal scoring, and and that in itself has allowed this team to to put some points in the bank. Connor McHugh, Drysaddle, <laughs> what? Look, buddy. I yeah. mean, when we think back of you know, the, the, definitely as far as uh, California is concerned, San Jose. And L.A. And, and where the Ducks were last season. You know, we talk about yeah. it being early in the season right now and all that other stuff. But, man, when you're banking 23 points after 17 games in a division where an Edmonton Oilers team is playing very well, a Calgary team is playing very well, a Vegas team you expect to play well, which will get better uh, down the road once they get healthy. Um, L.A. with an eight, a winning record at 8-6. and six. San Jose 8-6 and six as well, too. Mm-hmm. Vancouver becoming a desperate team. That's You know, they're not going to be easy here the rest of the way out. And then a young Seattle team that's, you know, going to have fun. And if you're playing in their barn, it's good. You, you're looking up here and seeing these guys not only in, um, you know, first place there in the Pacific, but one of the top teams, you know, in the league. Six, pot, six right. spot amongst the league. And, yep. you know, the young guys, the, uh, the you know, mixing with gets out the veterans and stuff like that. Get, I mean, there's a lot of great things that maybe, and you tell us, Steve, the potential was there. Seeing it happen now at this point, this early, who knows, against all the teams that I just talked about, uh, is it sustainable? I mean, I guess just tell us what the positives are out of this uh, outweighing the negatives right now. You know, <laughs> Over the last couple of seasons, there was the potential there. There was there were guys who were, you know, young guys that were trying to ease into the lineup that just weren't um, they just weren't really uh, getting any results. Um, but you're seeing it with Troy Terry, who I you know I should have mentioned out of the gate. The season he's having right now is phenomenal, and and all the hype he had coming into the Ducks lineup when when they were bringing him up, and this was going to be you know one of the next great goal scorers for the Ducks. It just didn't come together. Now he's putting it together this season. And I mean, that's absolutely huge. And it doesn't put all the pressure on a guy like Trevor Zegers, who who was feeling a lot of pressure when he came into the lineup last season to produce. And they sent him down to switch his positions and so that when he came back to the NHL, he'd be more productive. It takes a little bit more pressure off him. Uh, you know, Max Comtois, who was the big goal scorer last year, takes more pressure off him. And you're actually seeing guys like Henrique and these other guys just feel more comfortable. And Troy Terry is leading the way and and. You know, they haven't had that in a long time since they had Corey Perry scoring other goals or Bobby Ryan and, 
Um, so I, I just think you're seeing uh, a team that they thought they were going to have a couple of years ago start to kind of mold into form. Uh, right now, guys are starting to mature, put their game together, and it's 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 resulting in uh, on the ice in, in excellent play and wins and special teams and all that good stuff you need to be a successful hockey team. Whether they can maintain it, who knows? But they're nearly a quarter of the way through their season, and they're you know they're at this clip, so uh, it's it's a lot of fun to see what they're doing right now. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, obviously with uh, um, Murray having to step down here too, and and, and I want to maybe focus in a little bit on Dallas Eakins. What what you've liked from him mm-hmm. uh, in this uh, run out to looking at how he's running his bench. Uh, everybody's getting a look, man. Um, it looks like everybody yeah. 10 plus in terms of ice time, uh, in and out of the lineup there. Um, talk yep. about what, um, how he's been managing himself. And, and if you're getting a couple of looks at his post game conferences and obviously excited about the win streak here, um, this has got to be great for him too. you know, taking over this franchise and it's been a, mm-hmm. a tough crawl getting back to, you know, seeing the team's potential, and, uh, I mean, like I said, all the guys you just mentioned and the young kids uh, showing up is great. Uh, but talk about Dallas Eakins here and, and, and what you see and how he's managing the team. You know, when he went to San Diego and he took that team uh, and made them a competitive contender down there in the AHL, we knew what, what kind of coach he could be with, with the talent that Anaheim had in the system. I think when he came up to, to Anaheim, he wasn't allowed to make the decisions that I think he wanted to make as far as personnel, uh, line up, things like that. Um, and I think maybe with, with Murray having to step down, it's kind of giving him a little more freedom, made him a little more comfortable. He's allowed to do the things he needs to do with, where he feels sees fit with his team to get the most out of him. Like you said, little tweaks here, uh, shifting guys around, putting guys out in certain situations. He's got a little more freedom doing that. And it's, it's paying off. And I think, you know, we always knew that, when, when they brought him in, that hit, the potential was for him to be a really good NHL coach at this time around because of, of what he was able to learn and develop, uh, you know, in the minor leagues. Uh, and now you're just kind of seeing it, you know, come to fruition. And uh, I feel I'm happy for him. I know that the players really like playing for him. And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit with this team and, and with this guy. They've, like I said, they're one of the youngest teams in the league. And, uh, you know, they're, they're only building for the future. And this is going to be a very good team for for several years to come. Yeah, with, with Eakins at the helm. Yeah, which is which is all good stuff. Um, you know, this is the new path, and and the new path is looking good. Things are opening up, and and obviously riding Johnny Gibson, man. You know, you always knew yeah. this guy was going to be. Yeah, you know, I loved him as a kid with the U.S. team when he first started out, and and you know, um, full marks to the kid who's been here through some of the raw times here with Anaheim, and it's almost like this is his team. Uh, Eakins yeah. is letting it be his team, and the team mm-hmm. is obviously producing in front of him. And, you know, I, I would imagine by the end of the year, if he's not getting toted that or toted that way as an elite goaltender in the league, but as this division and this conference kind of grows here throughout the rest of the season, I think Johnny Gibson's going to be a big part of um, hopefully that Vezina Trophy um, talk. Yeah, and and Team USA in the Olympics. I mean that that he has the a, a chance here to to really make a name for himself in the hockey world. Um, as you know, he we know how good he is, but kind of buried in Anaheim, you kind of lose some of that the that recognition of that spotlight, and other guys seem to get a little more attention on them. But um, if he can stay healthy and continue to play the way he's playing right now, you know he's going to put himself up there amongst the elite of the elite in the NHL. 
Sounds good. Uh, good matchup at home tonight, obviously, against the Carolina Hurricanes. So that'll be a good game for them before they head on the road again uh, for Nashville and Colorado mm-hmm. next week. And that game next week against Colorado, let's shift over there. Um, we talked last week, and we were, we were looking at the Avs schedule, uh, what they have between me and you talking here today, and about them possibly making a statement. Um, and yeah. even with McKinnon out, they and did look, it. it looks like they did it. Three in a row, baby. Um, back to mm-hmm. business, hopefully, there in uh, Colorado. Yeah, you know what? Um, since McKinnon's left the lineup, the, the you know they've, they've been able to play a, a really well-rounded game. They're, they've scored 17 goals. They've only given up five. Seven of their goals have come on the power play. They've got a couple shorthanded goals. Um, you're seeing um, guys like uh, uh, Miko Rantanen, who I always fail to mention, but he's he's playing excellent hockey right now. Um, you're getting production from Nazim Kadri, who has 11 points in the last five games. Uh, you know, we talked, I talked about Darcy Kemper's struggles, but in his last seven starts, his, uh, goals against is, uh, over 930. Uh, I mean, his save percentage is over 930. And then, uh, this, this guy, Logan O'Connor, this kid, he's come in and he's made a difference on the penalty kill. He's, uh, he scored a shorthanded goal and he made a great play to get the other shorthanded goal, uh, to Darren Helm. Um, just seeing all sorts of things. And then the defense and you've got Kale McCarr. You got Sam Gerard, you get Devon Taves. That's just not fair. I mean, to see what those guys are doing there, putting the puck in the net, the power play looks deadly. This is what we thought we were going to get from Colorado. Um, and now they've got most of their pieces in there, uh, save the one big piece, but uh, it's, they're starting to see results right now. And, and if their special teams continue to click the way they are, uh, this, team's, this team's pretty deadly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And as far as, um, you know, in the pipes here for uh, the Avs, uh, you know, Kemper and stuff. And, you know, this has been the big thing, seeing mm-hmm. Grubauer go to Seattle. Um, he's obviously yeah. struggling out there. This is, a, this is a, you know, this is a pretty good, when it's when it's healthy and when you look at it on paper, this is a fantastic, as far as I'm concerned, defensive squad here in Colorado. And I think uh, maybe you could touch base on a little bit of whether it's the the new guys holding down the pipes, catching up with this defensive system or this defensive system getting used to looking behind them and not seeing Grubauer? <laughs> um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm going to harken back to the health thing. I think come, when you've got a bunch of guys coming in and out of the lineup, especially in the back end, and the goalie's trying to get used to these guys playing in front of them, and they're trying to get used to him playing behind them and, and how he handles the puck and all that kind of stuff, I, I think there was a little bit of a learning curve. Um, and a comfortability factor. And I, I think you're starting to see everybody just, just kind of ease into their game, get more comfortable. And now they're starting to get into routines. And for, for hockey players, that, that's a big deal. You know, there's a, there's a lot that goes to it. Yeah. You, you listen to the to players after they retire and stuff, the way that they talk about their playing days and the routine was always so important. I think you're starting to see some stability with that. And uh, like I said, a comfort level and um, it's, it's paying out in results on the ice. And, and I mean, the game against Vancouver, Kemper made a save uh, when it was 1-1 uh, that would have made the game 2-1. Vancouver eventually did score later and to make it 2-1, but that, at that point it would have been 3-1. But that save was so big, it kept his team in the game, and they were allowed to tie the game and eventually pull ahead and beat Vancouver. Um, and that's what we weren't seeing earlier in the season, and now we're starting to get that. So um, – yeah, it's a whole combination of things, but the, the being comfortable and just settling into your environment is definitely you can it's noticeable on the ice now. Yeah, I mean Kemper's been there before, so uh, you know mm-hmm. it's just a matter of settling in and 
and the guys getting some good fives and some consistency going on. I mean, that's all this uh, Colorado team needs. It has the talent on the ice yep. to, to to muck it up with the best. And, and, buddy, I'm circling next Wednesday night, man. There's a game, man. Ducks and Avs. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be super, man. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, so uh, good stuff there. We'll see if uh, Avs got Seattle tomorrow night, and we'll see if they get that game against Ottawa. They're obviously dealing with some COVID issues. Uh, they might get the yep. extra day off there. And then, like I said, uh, made for TV there next Wednesday night. You wouldn't believe this early in the season, but uh, <laughs> Colorado and Anaheim next Wednesday should be a lot of fun before uh, Thanksgiving. All right, um, scooting over here to your Devils, uh, two and two in the last uh, four games, I guess, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Ottawa yep. postponed uh, this past Tuesday because of their – COVID issues, and then the um, the Cats tomorrow night uh, on tap. You know, Devs are playing okay. You know, um, the the Ranger yeah. game the other night, you know, I mean, it, it had pretty much all typical type of Ranger-Devil kind of aspects of it, and then even obviously yeah. the, the controversial uh, issue. And we, we were talking about PK. We've actually been talking about him for the couple of, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What the hell is going on? I mean <laughs> – uh, he takes one of my guys out there. Uh, nothing really done on it. I mean, it's it's a thin line between what's intentional, what's not. I mean, he does have a history of doing this. I don't want to harp on this too much. Mm-hmm. I really want to kind of focus on, on the team itself as far as continuing on here uh, under Lindy, uh, how they're playing with them, dealing with getting a couple of guys back uh, into the lineup here. Um, yeah. You know, 18th in the league, winning record, 7-4. And uh, two, two or three there, I can see. And you know, as far as um, you know, playoffs and all that stuff, they're they're they'd only be a point out of a wild card spot behind Philly and Detroit. So, I was talking to Joe early about the Sabers, and I could say yep. probably the same thing about the Devils playing respectable at this time of the year uh, with everything that they've uh, have to deal with uh, on the ice, off the ice, and and a young team and a new coach here uh, behind the bench with Lindy Ruff, although experienced. Right. Uh, definitely playing respectable. They're, they're keeping other teams on their toes. Um, they've had some, some nice wins and they've had some not, some, not so nice losses. Um, the other night against the Rangers, I thought it was a really well-played game. I mean, it was a fun game to watch, yeah. um, kind of going back and forth and you get to that long shootout and, uh, it was, it was, it was fun to see. And then, um, I think what you're, what you're noticing with the devils is that, you know, they're still, they're still trying to find ways to score goals. Um, and I think that'll continue to be a struggle as long as Jack's not in the lineup and, and you're not getting contributions from like, you know, Yegor Sharangovich still doesn't have a goal this season. We thought that he was going to have a real, real big uh, impact for them. Um, a couple other guys are, are, you know, not getting out of the gate so hot, but you're really seeing the development of a really solid NHL defense. Uh, the impact of Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves to that lineup is uh, it's phenomenal, actually. Just seeing what, what their presence brings and the, how stabilizing they are back then and how big Dougie is on the power play. You know, the Devils' power play is horrible um, unless Dougie has the puck, and it just looks completely different. Uh, Ryan Ga- Graves has been just a, a, just a tr- pleasure to watch. I mean, I didn't know much about him um, until he came to the team and just what he brings out there and uh, – and how stable he's been. And even Jonas, Jonas Siegenthaler, who they picked up um, from Washington, he's been really solid. Uh, Ruff has, has talked uh, uh, about him uh, and what, what a stabilizing force he is back there. And so, you know, the, the Devils defense, which has been a sore spot over the last season, you're seeing that growth, you're seeing that development, and uh, it's putting together a competitive team. And uh, they've been fun to watch. Uh, they've still got to work on those special teams. But, you know, 
the results at this point, it, it, I just want to see the team remain competitive and remain uh, fun to watch. You're seeing a little fight in them. They're not giving up and they get down, they continue to push. And, and I really, that's all we could ask at this point. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you can definitely see by the um, Lindy's trying to get as much of a look at his team as possible. He's rolling out a lot of yeah. uh, time on ice for everybody. Might be Geertsen and uh, VC there only getting under 10 minutes the other night. And um, going back and forth between Bernier and, uh, and Black. Is he okay after the game the other night? What, what was the report after him uh, getting bumped on that? I guess I think it was the cap, cap, Caco goal. Yeah, he, he kind of ran into him there, and, and he, he was shaking his head a little bit. He stayed in the game, but I think you know they were saying in the broadcast that the league may have called down and uh, pulled him off the ice for a concussion protocol. But as far as I know, he's good to go. I mean, uh, there was a little banter at the press conference where, where the reporters were asking Ruff if uh, Blackwood was going to be good to go, and Ruff yelled over to Blackwood and said, are you good to go? And he said yes, and everyone got a good <laughs> chuckle out of it. So um, I think he's going to be okay, and he's, he's been phenomenal. Uh, he has been outstanding. Um, he's really, he looks so comfortable in the net. Uh, even after missing all the time with the issues in the foot and everything, he's, he looks really good. And Bernier is a, a really solid backup who comes in and, and, and puts a, uh, you know, a really great effort every time he's in. So the, the goalie tandem right now is, is not an issue. Uh, they seem to be both playing, feeding off of each other and playing really well, um, which is, which is good to see. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned Gearston and, and he's and now he's become the enemy of Devils fans. Every time he's in the lineup, no one wants to see him. We'd rather see some <laughs> of these kids play. Um, they just called up Fabian Zetterlind. Uh, Tice Thompson went on the, the IR. Holtz is still up. But I, I, I'd be remiss if I did not mention the Utica comments. OK, they have started the season 11 and 0, which ties an AHL record for the best start in the history of the league. Nice. Um, and they just, the Devils just moved from Binghamton to, to Utica, so there's a lot of excitement around the team, and it just kind of speaks to the depth of the youth on this team. Um, and, you know, even with all the players going back and forth and, and being called up, the team has still been really good. So that that is also very promising if you're a Devils fan to take a look at the minor leagues and how competitive they're, they're being. It gives you something else to be excited about. But um, there's just a, a lot of good positive vibes right now around the New Jersey Devils. That's great. You know, the last time I was up in Utica, uh, I think I was like 16, 17 years old for a bowling tournament, my friend. And uh, there, was no, there was no AHL hockey team there back then. I'll tell you that much. But uh, no, it's, hey, look, it's great to see. I mean, look, there's a there's a good mix going on here. Um, you've got a solid tandem in the nets. Uh, you're, you're talking about uh, the defense here in Hamilton and how that's uh, you know looking pretty solid. And Lindy, like I said, he's spreading it around. You're, you're getting. You know, watching the game the other night a little bit, you you couldn't. The Rangers couldn't sit back. You know, they um, yeah, they they were they were you know the Devils were fair marks with all the talent and the hype on the mm-hmm. Rangers and in the guard and everything else. Um, the Devils were full marks for the game that they gave them, and I think they're kind of doing that um, with everybody they're playing. It starts with the uh, you know yeah. we we were joking after they came back and beat the the Cats seven something there after the Rangers beat them, but. Um, I don't think they're a joke. I think, you know, like I said, they're playing respectable. Uh, these next mm-hmm. few games coming up against uh, Florida and Tampa Bay and then Minnesota and Nashville and, and Philly and, and San Jose. I mean, look, there's a good stretch <laughs> coming up. But I, but I think if you're a fan watching this team, and it is a changeover and it is new, yeah. and I think you have to look at it and say, hey, look, they're, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. And, and you, you, yeah. you come out maybe 500 on this trip, if not better. Um, it looks good for the long term for this team, especially if not this season for down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, 
Um, nobody expects them to be world beaters, but but you want to see how they kind of stack up against some of the top you know talent in the league. And yeah, it's going to be a test for them, but I think they're they're definitely up for it. And uh, it's it's for at least as a fan base, Devils can c- collectively have fun again because the team is fun. Um, guys like Dawson Mercer, they don't come around very often. Um, he is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's going to be a big part of this team and just getting to watch players like that Holt, And when Jack comes back, it's just a true, true treat. And I'm sure you feel the same way with Kako Lafreniere and, and, you know, all those other guys you got on that team. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, when they get some ice time, you know, it's all good. But all good. <laughs> when they produce, right. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's I do want to say one thing real quick about PK's. Absolutely. Let's talk a little PK, PK, Slewfoot, and Subban. Go ahead. I, I do want to say one thing. I've I've gone back, and I, I know I was watching the, the Rangers feed for a little bit, and I know they kind of they went back and forth and showed all of the, the Slewfits. And one thing I noticed with, with PK is he skates with a very wide base, okay? If you watch him kind of trudge down the ice, his feet are very wide apart. And when he goes into the corners – his legs are way farther apart than you'll see a lot of other guys. A lot of defensemen feet are tight together uh, when they're making that, that turn. He keeps his feet way apart, whether that's a balance thing or, or what it is. It's, it's causing him, his skate, to come in contact with people in very dangerous situations. So I don't entirely think what he's doing is intentional. I think over the years, his, his skating style has just gotten more plodding and more like, you know, I don't know, and and I can see the way that it's affecting him when he's in tight in those situations. And unfortunately, guys are getting hurt, and you don't want to see it. And I'd hate to to see PK just kind of go out as being like a dirty career. In you know, I, I don't want to see anyone's career get damaged or loot. You know, be out for a significant time. And just if you have a chance to watch PK and kind of see the way he skates, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, I think that's something that uh, if the Devils really are paying attention, they might want to address that with him because. It's get it only seems to be uh, escalating as far as these types of situations in it, and uh, man, that that you know, Sammy Blaze. I hope he's okay. Yeah, but, I mean, with that said, you know, PK's getting older, and and that you know, yeah. be, playing defense in the NHL, especially against all the young, you know, guys that we talk about, fast guys that we talk about. I mean, look, I think it's an interesting thing that you bring up. You know how I feel about PK. Always love him. He's a first class guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, off the ice, he's uh, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about unfortunately even before the Slufit stuff that. Um, you know, some of the problems he's having and, and his, um, you know, his, his marquee name is kind of fading a little bit. Um, yeah. As you get older as a defenseman, and if he's having those kind of skating issues, and unfortunately if he has one or two more of these incidents where he's hurting players, I, I think it's going to end up that way. And who knows? He may not yeah. – uh, he may be moved on here from the Devils too. You, you kind of – you want to stay positive here. You hate seeing guys getting yep. injured. I'm not just going to lay into PK as far as – it could happen. It could happen to anybody – um, it could mm-hmm. happen to PK by somebody else as well, too. It's unfortunate. It's obviously getting magnified because he's been involved in quite a few. And, and, and you bring a good point, like I said, about his skating style. But, you know, if it continues to happen, Steve, um, you know, it might go that route. You know, sometimes you never know, Steve. We'll see how Lindy plays him. You know, he might need a break. You know, yeah. there's been a lot going I on. I think so. You know, you look at PK from the time he's played with the Canadians – through the Preds, yeah. uh, we talk about this on the show a lot, too, the miles that these guys put on their skates as far as going deep into the playoffs. PK has gone deep with Montreal into those conference finals, and he's also done it, obviously, with the Preds taking them to the Stanley Cup. 
And yep. um, so I, I think it's a big part of what you're saying. And, and I think, unfortunately, like I said, PK, for the wrong reasons, is, is kind of being magnified a little bit. I do hope it turns mm-hmm. around uh, and he does more positive things. Because, obviously, as this Devil team continues to improve, you'd like to see him be a part of the, the good side of that story. I, I agree. And, uh, and another thing to, to think about, and I, I wonder if this will play into his playing time, like you said, maybe getting to sit down, is you would hate to see one of the Devils players go into the corner and somebody's foot actually come out and take one of those guys out. Not that the league works that way anymore, but you, you got if I was a, if I was one of those forwards going into a corner or something, I, and I, I'm in a game where this happens with PK, that, that would be something that I would probably have on my mind. You know, is, oh, is that going to happen to me next? Um, so you, you, you hate that that has to even be a storyline. Um, but it, it's a reality of the thing. And, and like you said, maybe, maybe ha- sitting him down for a little bit wouldn't be such a bad idea. Yeah, we'll see. Look, no, I mean, again, you got a great guy behind the bench as far as experience, star players, um, all that stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes you talk, we talk about with Joe as far as the right guy behind the bench for the Sabres right now. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to Tab about, you know, uh, Derek King now taking over the bench here in Chicago. And yeah. Lind- Lindy is no doubt uh, just a good guy for the Devils to have right now because it's showing. It's showing on the statue, it's showing in the wind. Absolutely. And, losses, and uh, it's all good stuff there. Uh, for the Devils, Steve. Before I let you go, been um, you know asking uh, Joe and Tab here a little bit of focus on uh, the Islanders here. Uh, new building mm. here on Long Island, opening up. It's gorgeous. I drive by it almost every yep. other day, going in and out of town. Uh, the fan base is ready. Long road trip. The guys have always been struggling on the ice, uh, riding a four-game losing streak with Calgary coming in on Saturday, and this fan base, which has just been incredible the last two or three seasons here. Um, and especially since Trotz has taken over and obviously success in the playoffs and stuff. Um, these mm-hmm. guys can use these guys. I know it's going to be loud in there. It's exciting. they got four uh, home games coming up. But uh, just uh, a little take on, on the Islanders here and, and about them possibly turning things around here and, and, and the fans in the new building. Well, no doubt the long road trip has, has got to be tough on these guys. I mean, it, mentally, you know, physically, you get taxing, and you've you played some pretty good competition. And, you know, the, the Islanders are not surprising anybody anymore. We, we, everybody in the league knows how good this team is and know that they're, they're, they have um, desires to, to win the Stanley Cup. So it's not like they, anyone was taking them too lightly. I think you will see them start to play a little bit better. I think one thing to keep in mind, though, and, and we saw this um, – you know, with Lou throughout the years in New Jersey is he really likes his veteran players, he really does. And at, at some point it starts to catch up to the team and, you know, call Palmieri with no goals. And you're just seeing Andy Green is struggling out there and, and Zidane Chara is struggling out there. And it's hard for these older guys to keep up with the faster, uh, more up-tempo, younger NHL. And, uh, you know, they're having a lot of trouble scoring goals. And you're just kind of seeing that right now. And, and hopefully a little bit of energizing from the home crowd will, will get these guys going. But um, it'll be interesting to see how these the, the things kind of shake out the season, especially with these vets and, and how they hold up. I mean, this is we've, we've mentioned this a bunch of times. This is not an older guy's league anymore. This is all about the speed, finesse, and skill. And once you start to lose a step or two, uh, you really get exposed in this league. Yeah, no, great points there, Steve-O, no doubt about it. That's the way we like it, man. Young and fast, lots of goals, lots right. of energy, lots of great stories like the Anaheim Ducks, and uh, you know I, I still, I'm blown away by it, man. And I'm I'm glad we get to talk about the Ducks right now every week because uh, they are just Good a stuff. lot of fun to watch, man. Good stuff. All right, buddy, uh, we're gonna talk over the weekend about possibly maybe uh, moving the show up next week because it's Thanksgiving on Thursday, so uh, we'll Sounds go from good. there. 
But uh, until then, man, have a great weekend. Best of the family. Stay safe out there. And thanks so much for doing your spot here on THS as always, brother. All right, brother. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. You got it, man. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, right here on THS. And that's a wrap for this week's THS. Big thanks to Joe, Tab, and Steve, as always. And especially to you guys out there listening, subscribing, and sharing and all that stuff. We see you. So thank you so much for your audience. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll move on. So don't forget, everybody, tell a friend or two. Follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show on social media, THSRadio.com. Stop on by Twitter. That's where we're all hanging out. Say hi to us. And uh, we'll get back to you guys over the weekend, let you know about bumping the show up before next Thursday. And uh, just in case, if we don't get to talk to you guys next week, have a great, safe, happy, and healthy holiday. Uh, next Thanksgiving, Darren, in the States, and our best to all our friends up there north of the border in the great white north. So until then, on behalf of Joe Yarden, Ted Bamford, Steve Palombo, and yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, THS is out. Enjoy the games and keep your head up. Woo!